This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. In fact, we use Podbean to host Zap to the Past. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free check it out and now let's listen to zap to the past Hello and welcome to episode 47 of Zapped to the Past. My name is Adrian Mills and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Graham Raddings. If you have not listened before, good lord, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. We are using the magazine Zap64 as a monthly guide for the games to focus on, but we are in no way affiliated with Zap64 itself. This week, we're going to be looking at March 1987 and the first batch of games reviewed in issue 23 of Zap64, along with what was also going on in UK music that month. So Graham, tell us what this episode has in store. In this town market full of fruit and veg sellers, vaping stores, oddly branded apparel trailers and unbranded self-scoop cereal shop of an episode, we breathe deeply and embrace our inner pacifist before grabbing a warship and going on a bio-kill frenzy in the somnifacient mutants. Go to the space war battlefront while carefully watching the military spend in the accounting-heavy star soldier and grab our jelly baby-like space armor, bravely step on board the SS oddly familiar and go on another monotonous find-the-stuff rescue mission in the overly rounded future night. We also take on the management responsibility of a football team that has experienced incredible time dilation in the years for minutes nonsense of the double, invest heavily but pointlessly in the latest 60-page novella goldleaf wrapped micro turd from Rainboard in the overbrown tracker, and definitely descend into a mine to find the hidden gold in a cavern with a metal detector to make a handle to crank the wheel to do something with the weird pneumatic hammers. If that punnet of strawberries, pack of unbranded LED light bulbs and bag of cola cubes hasn't satiated your appetite for random purchases, and you've suddenly remembered you need a new shower curtain, we also sit in the cockpit of our blocky raider craft shouting death towards Anthidians before once again scrolling laboriously around a 360 landscape in a quest for gameplay with Ray 2000. Break out the heavy detailed helicopter flight instruction manual, punch in some key codes, and pray we know our airfoils from our assholes in the precise but dodgy tomahawk before finally stepping in our three-year restricted DeLorean time machine, travelling back to 1984, grabbing the first shoot what we see, and returning to 1987 so we can play the same thing, but cheaper, in the dubious Falcon Patrol 2. It's certainly an odd bunch of games this month. I've not seen this much variety of quality since Keith Harrison Orville did the Royal Variety performance alongside Hans Moretti and the cast of Fame. It didn't end well for Orville. He never laid another egg. Well, yes, that's probably true. Probably is. It yes. Definitely is. Uh, it definitely is. Yes, it's probably true. Whatever you just said is probably true. <laughs> um, 
I'm just going to agree with that's it. an open invite. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a modern, I'm a modern man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm progressive. I, I can cope. I, I, yeah, I'm all right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> right. Uh, so we've got games. There are yeah. So this is another just to as a heads up. It's another three part a month. Triple Thrash uh, Street. So it, it, it is, yeah. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Yeah. I'm point blank refusing to do it. <laughs> you have to. You have to now. Triple treat. Triple treat. You have to. It's written. It's in. It's it's, it's been carved in stone. It is. So yeah. So there's not quite as many games uh, as there were in uh, February, but there's still 28, 29, uh, which is still quite a chunk. So we split it across three just to give ourselves some breathing room and space, and so we're not doing three-hour episodes again because uh, mm. it's been a bit crazy, been a bit mad. We had no choice last time, but now we have choice, and choice is our friend. So we are using that choice um, and not doing as many. So uh, on that note, let's crack into our first game. Uh, and Graham, you're going to tell us all about it. At least I hope you are, uh, because that game is Mutants. Mutants, yeah. Yeah, everyone remembers the Fred Gray music wow, to Mutants. Wow. Easily one of his best, I think. Um, so Mutants is, guess what? This is <laughs> this is an ocean game. It's quite miraculous, really, because it's like the I first know, good one in a while. Um, and it's created by our friends at Denton Designs. Good old Denton. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing that greets you on this is a Stuart Fotheringham title screen. Nice it is too. Classic. Bit, bit of a classic game, this. It's one of those ones that's kind of always lived in the background of Ocean's catalogue. And, mm-hmm. and I have to say, I played it a bit back in the day. Um, and it was quite nice to come back to this. So let's just go over the what is the game and all of that outside of the sort of the music and the, and the brouhaha. So this is actually at the surface a kind of a shoot 'em up collector thing. In the vein of a few games that we've had a bit like this, so it's a little bit of Parallax in there, there's a little bit of Z, there's a few others that we're not going to mention them because we come across some more of these and they're not as good. Um, <laughs> but there's, there's some like that. But uh, this game yeah. is set in the future, and in the future, uh, mutants, aka bioweapons or microgenetic monsters, um, are used to destroy everything. And this is, they have been created by what's called the Zero Survivor Corporation. I got quite a matrix vibe off this i'm not sure if it's because i watched the most recent matrix movie shortly after or before playing this i can't remember anyway um or maybe i didn't anyway um so it's been decided by somebody the powers whomever that uh, the zero survivor corporation and all of its contained mutiny mutants must be destroyed to save millions of lives it's never really explained in the instructions why but let's just go with that so you are the pilot chosen to do this in your trusty spaceship your spaceship called the rainbow warrior Hmm. Okay. Um, has lots of strange is that connotations. What is that what the ship's called? <laughs> yeah, it's called the Rainbow Warrior. Yeah, uh, I did not know that. Yep. Yeah, wow. Yes. Okay. So anyway, we won't talk about you know the other Rainbow Warrior. It's resting at the bottom of the ocean, I think. Anyway, um, <laughs> so the mutant strains are held in fifteen pens, each of which, sorry, contains a, a self-destructive device. Seems a stupid thing to put in there if you don't want anyone to go in there and utilize it. But there you go. So mm. each one of those contains a self-destructive device. Your job is to enter the pen. Find the self-destruct device and get out. Once you've got all the self-destruct devices, you can enter the 16th pen. They're all on available to you on a grid. Um, the 16th one is a maze, and so you navigate carefully around the maze with your spaceship. Assemble them when you get to that point into kind of a into the assemble the self-destruct device from the component parts that you've found, and then that will destroy the mutants and all the giant organisms and everything else. And then it's on to the next 
level the next pen. So you start the game with a view of your fighter ship on the right and a column of icons on the left. Um, nice graphics in this, actually, I think. Quite colourful, mm-hmm. quite nicely designed, quite nice sprites. About the right size for this kind of thing. I'll come to the sort of the pen graphics, as it were, the graphics inside the pens in a minute. But from the outset, you are just presented with this interface, like, boom, there it is. So start title screen interface. So mm-hmm. when you start this, you've then got to choose a few options. So you can choose, obviously, to turn, have the music and the sound effects on or off. You can choose either. It's quite good sound effects in this as well. So it's quite a nice balance. And then once you do that, you can also choose um, the different kind of armaments. Now, certain weapons in the game, you've got missiles, bullets and shields that you can choose from. And some of those are better inside certain pens. So you, in some of the pens, you would need to use shields instead of which you can sort of put round things and sort of block things in. In some of them, you use missiles because they're a bit more powerful. And so you sort of a bit of trial and error in this game to find out which is the best weapon to use for the best pen in order for you to get in and get the self-destruct component parts. Because once you're inside those pens, so once you've chosen your weapons and you start the game, you're then presented with your grid of 16 places to go. You then start with one of, you can choose any of them in any order, but obviously you choose which one you want to go for. And then you will materialize inside the pen. You're on like a transmat pad and then... It's a scramble then to fly around the levels. Um, you control it with your joystick in kind of a sort of, a, thankfully, just sort of in an up, down, left, right, sort of flying around 360 ways. So it's not one of those rotationally controlled games, which would be a nightmare. Um, so it's not any of those. <laughs> no. So um, so you start off on the sort of the, you, you beam into the center of this place and then you've got to scoot around, avoiding whatever mutants are in there that are going to try and kill you. Now, the mutants in those things can vary from sort of things that like grow all over the place to things that follow you around to things that just randomly appear all over the place. It's, it's, it's really hard to describe the mutants, but they are kind of just, well, for want of a better description, they're not like space invaders or anything like that. They're kind of more organic looking and feeling than that. They kind of grow and splurge around and do all of that. Sometimes in those pens, you can feel, be very quickly overwhelmed. So you've got to move quick or figure out the plan, get the thing. You get back to the center, the center point where you transport in and transport out. The transport pad is the only place where the enemies can't kill you in there. So you've got to really fly around because if they get, obviously, if you get too many of you, you're going to die and then you're losing your lives and stuff like that. So once you've got that back, you obviously then go into the 16th pen once you've collected all of those up and then you go and assemble it and then boom, and then you into the next level. So... The enemies in this are kind of spuriously different from blobs to blocks to lines to things that float around. And sometimes in the game, when you're playing it, those can slow the action down a bit. So I don't know if that was a quirk of my emulator or whether that did that on the C64. When I tried it on my C64 Maxi, it was the same. So I don't know, but that's technically an emulator. So I don't know if on the real hardware that didn't happen. But it did slow it down a bit, which meant the game... It, it didn't slow it down to the point where it was unplayable. It just felt more sluggish to control in some of the pens than perhaps it would in others when there was more going on. But on the whole, it's a kind of a curious game. I'm not wholly set on what it is, what what it's trying to be. And, it's, and because of that, it kind of feels odd to play because you're kind of thrown into a game where it's not quite a shoot 'em up and it's not quite a 360-degree shooter and it's not quite kind of a parallaxy thing. It has parallax vibes and those kind of vibes. And its graphics are nice and there's some nice-looking enemies. But it just feels, for me, it felt a little bit overwhelming at times and kind of incongruous. Like it, didn't, like all these pieces were somehow connected, but they just didn't quite make the game feel totally fluid enough. And so, the idea, for example, picking the right bullets for the right enemies is just trial and error. There's no real way you're going to know about that until you just play the game a lot and figure out that, you know, in pen 16 or pen 14, you're going to need shields because it's better than using bullets. And it's just a bit trial and error for me. And as much as the controls are nice and responsive, and the, even with the lagging, I just felt like as a cohesion of 
shoot em up. It was neither a shoot em up nor a collect em up enough to be really good at either. But that said, I think they've tried to cram a lot into this. There's a nice game design underneath all this somewhere and the graphics do lend themselves to it and it's got nice music in it. So I have mm-hmm. to say I enjoyed the replay. It surprised me how much I enjoyed it more than I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. And it felt like this was ocean an ocean game that finally, after all those crap ocean titles we've had, because I think the last one we played, I, I hate to think if it was It's a Knockout, but it might have been something like that, but it wasn't a good one. No, so, it wasn't. The, so the last Ocean games haven't been very good. So as much as this isn't a perfect game, but in any stretch of the imagination, it's certainly a step in the right direction for them. In the hands of Denton Designs, it's got the look and feel and the music and the and the sort of wherewithal. It's just not quite shoot them up enough to be shoot them up and it's not quite collect them up enough to be collect them up. And the hybrid is just not quite right for me, but I still enjoyed it all the same. What about you? Yeah, um in fact some of the phrases you've you've written are exactly what i've written or said are exactly what i've got here so my first comment finally a decent ocean game after weeks of dross and it's an original take on the shooter you take the part of it you're a pacifist space pilot something or that's right to recover the 16 parts for self-destruct mechanism you said take down the mutants and the survivor zero corporation um so it's part i've got it's like part strategy game part shooter yeah i agree with that because because there's like you said, you've got your three types of weapons. I thought there were mines. Uh, I've got rocket mines and guns, but shield mines, you know, it's a word for whatever. So you've got to select the right one uh, for each pen. It really, you know, if you go in with the wrong one, you're screwed. Um, yeah, which can happen a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, I'll, I'll come to that in a bit. Um, so uh, on the surface, I think I thought the visuals are, are very nice. They're unusual because um, the mutants themselves are based on, like, cells, aren't the cellular growth? Yes, yeah. Um, and like so... Yeah, and so they kind of, it's almost like they grow or mutate. They're like fast versions of the uh, slime almost in yeah. Boulder Dash. Yeah, I'd say that's a good point. Um, in which case they just spew into the space and come after you. And sometimes mm. they don't come after you until you get the piece or you go near them. And there's quite some quite nice little touches to them. And they're, they're weirdly different. Like there's one that you just have to, it won't do anything until you collect it. And then it just spreads so fast you screw oh yeah you gotta move unless quick you, well unless you might you, unless you've dropped all your mines around it um or your shields or whatever and then it won't it can't get out and then you're all right so once you figure these things out each one is almost you know each pen is almost like a little puzzle um and that's you know that's quite interesting and quite unusual and, and i did quite enjoy that but like you said i've got here there's a lot of trial and error a lot because you've got to basically right pen one what works <laughs> pen two <laughs> yeah. what works and then you make a note minds thing and then it's not only that with some of them because they're so free form it's it's you know you need reactions and like yourself i don't know i didn't know it's a slowdown but i have got a note that um although the controls are okay i'd like them to be a little snappier to feel a tad sluggish to turn and aim at times so i don't know whether yeah. that was experiencing that slowdown or stuff I, I, yeah. I didn't quite i didn't notice maybe i don't know I've, i think i playing i was playing it on an emulator on a screen that i think just eradicates slowdown but maybe there was something in the background that wasn't working so mm. it, it could, could quite possibly be that um so yeah there, there's something there within the code itself i think which is not quite letting you be fast enough to yeah. deal with the threat coming at you which is a pain because i do like a lot of this i like the idea i like the concept i like the variety there's a lot in here the sound is great it's two good tunes um you know mm. probably yes whether it's fred gray's breast i don't know because i'm a huge mission ad fan mm. um so but it's de- certainly up there and the decent sound effects as well and, and i like the presentation although i mean you are straight into the game but i, I, I don't know i'm a purist i would have liked a title screen well at the stuart fotheringham title screen 
but it had that, but I, but I mean a press start, press start to play. You know, a t- a, it had it's got a title screen, like a, yeah. a logo, so a loading screen or whatever. But I would have liked a, a title, title screen, something at the front. Call me a purist. No Come memory, me I think, for that in this. Pro- probably not. No, and I, I think a lot of games do suffer from that. They just throw you straight in. Don't you? It's game. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Um, oh, we're going like, to come okay, across well, a few of them. Well, yes, we are. Um, although I did like the game over screen, which is well done, and, and it better be, as you're going to see it a lot. Yeah, well, it's exactly the same as the when you finish the level, you get the same sort of sort of vectory laser effects yeah. when you go to the next level. So uh, it's, it's nice looking. It is quite nice, you know. It's game of like, oh yes, again, I know. Um, I did find on occasion that it's quite possible to get trapped in a death loop. Yes, um, yes, you can because you spawn exactly where you die. Yep. And if you spawn in the middle of a load of mutants, you're just dead again immediately, immediately, yeah. and immediately, and dead, and game over. It's like, oh, okay. Um, it would have been nice to spawn at the at the teleportation Transport. point. Yeah, yeah. Just transport me back there and give me a chance to sort of regroup and reassess. So that's uh, especially if you've got like three or four uh, components in. Uh, you know, you've got three or four devices, yeah. five or six. You yeah. get in there, and then suddenly you just get caught, in, and it's like game over, done. You're like, oh. It's challenging. And it is good, and it's good to see someone try something different. I mean, yeah, this I is this is not the Denton designs of was that awful one, Dante's Inferno. This is more Denton's no. designs of going. Cobra. No, it's not the. Oh God, no, no, no. Let's never mention that again. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't say those words at me. <laughs> I'm just I'm just reminded of flashing dead enemies, and that that sounds worse than it actually is. But <laughs> we should never mention that word again. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. But now I was thinking, this is the you know Denton designs of uh, Frankie as Hollywood and stuff. At yeah, least yeah, trying yeah. something in a more imaginative unusual unusual branch so there's a lot to like here but it's hard so be prepared to cry in frustration some of those mutants are just rock hard no matter how many times you try and what strategies you try i'd be interested to watch a, i've not watched one but i'd be interested to watch a you know full-on playthrough of this on youtube someone go through them all and see what strategies are in place for each pen i also found the maze impossible to navigate when i did try it yeah <laughs> it's really hard actually the maze yeah, that, i found that one of the most difficult things because I, I went right through the whole and did all the pens. Oh, did you? Um, yeah, yeah. And got to the, thinking, this is great. I've got to, and it just get, when you go to the next level, it's exactly the same again. It's the same thing again. It's just slightly harder, which is oh, actually so impossibly loops. harder. Yeah, which is a bit annoying because it's even the same all graphics right. again. So it just ups the ante on the volume of crazy going on. All right. Oh God, no! I've never got, I've never got anywhere near finishing this. Your skills must be mad. Uh, well, I developed a, a knack of being able to figure it out, and lots of uh, save games on the old emulator. So save states are a, a win. Oh, okay. So you were save stating it. Well, yeah, that's the only way you could do it. So when I finished right. a pen and figured it out, I yeah. save stated it at that one and labelled it. So. All right. Okay. So yeah, I, I didn't. I wasn't doing that. I was just like, I want to. If someone just to play through it from beginning to end in one go without yeah, save stating, I didn't it, have the time to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no one does. No one ever has. <laughs> Not even the members of Denton Designs have had that. It's like, no, no one can do this. Uh, but yeah, it's good, and it's ninety percent. I think it's about right. I think it deserves a sizzler for for. Yeah, it's it's all, it's, I think you said it's, it's it's almost there, um, and it, it's almost there. Um, it's just some bits and bobs could have been just a bit more cohesive but i think a bit more forgiving maybe a little bit more forgiving. uh i think i think so yeah and like i said just put me back at the start of the level yeah uh, the transporter would have been a step in the right direction but yeah no mutants it's good uh, and it's one of the better ones we're going to play <laughs> it is well it's one of the better ones and it's certainly a much better ocean game of recent so fair yes. play to him for that at least if, at least there's that and it's it's original yes. which is good to see finally something yes. you know see some original stuff hmm. uh so mutants yeah we like it it's all right go play it good that's that one. All right, let's move on. To our next one, which isn't original. Because, um, <laughs> uh, well, it's weird. Uh, our next one is Star Soldier. So, what's Star Soldier? It's nine quid. 
and I've noted that you know it sounds quite cool to be a star soldier. Mm. That's a cool thing, isn't it? Not you running the middle earth soldier, but a star soldier. Yeah, it's a good name. It's a good. It's name. a good name, but you know, as with you know, as with most things, as we found in this podcast, the reality is not as cool as the name. No, because essentially you're a bounty hunter, and this is a horizontal version of commando. And what I've always thought commando needed was monetary problems. <laughs> Whenever I play commando, I'm like, who's paying for these bullets and grenades? You know who. Uh, uh, you know, uh, which civil servant back home is counting up the tally of like, you're using a lot of grenades and this costs us money. So every time you go out and try to rescue these, you know, there's budgetary issues. I'm sorry, mate, you're not going out. We're going to, uh, you know, maybe that's why Rambo went with, you know, he had to procure everything on site. <laughs> so uh, more, more, more budgetary focus, Rambo, certainly a part of Reaganomics or whatever. That aside. So what's, what's this game about? The game starts with a screen showing a view of the galaxy for no real reason. No. There are some planets in the top half and there's an icon-driven menu at the bottom. And so in this icon-driven menu, you can load up with extra lives. <laughs> See, <laughs> I don't know why. Just give me lives. Grenades, missiles, and all kinds of stuff. Uh, but be careful, I said, no, because it all costs cash. You know, someone's got to pay for this. Someone's balancing those books. There's a credit and debit and you run out of money. That's it. You're screwed for the rest of the stuff. The life of an intergalactic bounty hunter does not come cheap. So once this is done, you can then head into the second menu where you can scan about the galaxy. You can read info on planets and select a job. Now, yeah, I read the, I read them. The, the, the jobs vary in scale and pay benefits and whatever. But once one is selected, uh, and that, that is basically go and clear up a planet from the nefarious mob seems to be the the, uh, the jobs on offer. <laughs> you press go, and hey, presto, you're in a sideways scrolling commando variant, which is weird, and it's mm. right to left. It's all kinds of wrong. <laughs> it's right to left. But it's only slower as Commando. It's slower than Commando. It's slower than Who Dares Wins. And it's not as good as any of them. <laughs> um, you run from right to left and you shoot all the enemies in your way or you throw grenades with the tap of the space bar. As long as you bought some, of course, if you, if you remember to buy some. And I, I noticed here sort of thing that the grenades look like eggs. Yes, they do. <laughs> which, which was, I thought, was always a bonus. Something looked like an egg. But at least uh, I did note that they did have decent explosion radiuses to kill people. So not like that. What was that crappy one we played? where the explosion was so was it cobra wasn't it he's cobra it's cobra where you you know you threw hamburgers or whatever the objective is to make it all the way to the left until it scrolls no more and i <laughs> I, I, I don't know why and then that's it you complete the mission well done it you've you've you've, you've stopped the screen scrolling uh, and then it's back to the main screen and then repeat for the next job until you die because you did not buy or couldn't afford any more continues because you have to buy lives now, there's an interesting idea here. It's just not very well implemented because the problem is, is that, you know, the, the whole sort of meta uh, stuff around it, budgeting for your commando jobs and being a bounty hunter. Okay. Yeah, I get, I get behind that in a strange way. Just the problem is the shooting, the commando bit is rubbish. It's poor. The visuals are all right. If you do, but everything on land is very brown. Or at least the planets. I didn't. I, I visited a few planets, and they were all very brown. Um, the music was annoying and repetitive, and nothing really drew you into the actual arcade part of the game. With a bit more thought and variety in some of the missions, maybe this could have been okay. It just feels badly designed, and and just just becomes a chore to play. I like the idea of being a galactic bounty hunter. I think there's a that's an interesting thing, just not done like this because the actually running to right to left is just dull and boring and gets dull very quickly and that maybe maybe turn it off How about you did you find any joy in uh being a star soldier no no i didn't okay didn't think you would. i felt <laughs> this was just a really weird combination of things that just didn't work so the idea of some kind of resource management mixed with a commando game was just i was just like what yeah. why and there's some sleep on himself should i buy more crates of grenades because <laughs> i'm thinking what is this stupid a 
Um, any apps? And, the, and there's a few things that I, I noted. I mean, graphically, all right. It, it's kind of, when you get to the commando bits, it's okay. The graphics are all right. You say this. That just, it looks like a kind of sideways commando, which, by the way, is such a cool name for an album by some kind of industrial group. Um, or our spin, or our spin-off pubs. One of the spin-off pubs, yes. Anyway, so the part where you're sort of, I don't. <laughs> Did it's you not, say an industrial an industrial album? Yeah, <laughs> Sideways Commander. So, yeah, well, this one called Suicide Commando, isn't there? It's like a. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, it's just like a, it could be a covers band, <laughs> just like done, done with folk instruments. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, so KMFDM done by folk. <laughs> you no, know, I'd say what that'd be weird. Um, so. Okay, the first bit where you you know you're going through the finding the planets. That's just kind of the the clicky bit till you get to the interesting bit, isn't it? You know, it's it's kind of it neither yeah. here nor there until you realise that it's kind kind of important that you spend your money such as it is on the right things because it can just end the game really abruptly if you don't, which is stupid. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the kind of the the weird the weird part, which is the kind of sideways, everything about that's just kind of weird. It's like the fact that it's going right to left the fact that it's side, sort of sideways commando going that way there's no there's no logic to those enemies they're just kind of for me they kind of clustered together at the top of the screen and just they were kind of it was like a turkey shoot there was no real patterns of enemies mm-hmm. or anything like that there was no logic to them it reminded me of the vikings game in that respect where the enemies yes. just ran yeah. around like a bunch of headless chickens just waiting to be shot there was no the commando it felt and so does and the same with Rambo to some extent and certainly with who dares wins there's a logical pattern to where those enemies are going to run in and you interact with them this wasn't like that. And then I, I was scrolling along till I came across some kind of wall. Yeah. And then and then it was just this giant wall. And then there was a bug in the game that let me kind of skippity scappity by pressing the fire button. I kind of floated across the wall at the top of the screen, <laughs> made it past the wall, and just kept going and going. It was just, a, it was weird. And there was just clearly bugs in this game that they hadn't worked out the system. My final take on it all after that was just, it's just too many parameters of this game that aren't working and it's just not cohesive enough good name um sound effects were kind of eh. it's just it all felt a bit bitty and a bit not thought about properly and with bugs in there and things I perhaps, perhaps this needed a little bit more time in the oven or perhaps a few more ingredients or maybe yeah, some yeah. taking out but um you know what there's a reason why they hadn't to this point done a right to left scrolling commando um, <laughs> and funny enough the only other game i could think of that was actually a left to right commando type game was that one we reviewed many, many moons ago, which was the World War One game with the impossible to avoid missile and the grenades, and where we said at the time, "Is there is a place for a game with a single what, spike?" Doughboy, yeah, Doughboys. Well, that was just a single screen thing, wasn't it? It was, but it still, it was still a left to right commando variant. This is just a right to left scrolling commando variant. Neither of those games <laughs> worked for that exact yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah, um, so well, Doughboy uh, didn't work for yeah, many, just, many reasons. Just, you know, there's a reason why. Top down, bottom up scrolling is t- kind of the way that they always did these kind of things. Because technically, side scrolling shooting ups with like this don't work this way. So uh, no, no, Star Soldier, and it got forty percent. I'd say it's probably a bit generous if I, if it was me, especially for that price. But I would never have gone for that one anyway. So no, no good, no, no, no not good. No, cool name, bad Star- name. Starfish Soldier, that one. <laughs> Chocolate Star Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of brown in it. <laughs> I, I found a grey level. But it was just oh, did the, you? it was exactly oh, okay. the same level, just in grey. It's like, oh, you've got to grey world instead of brown world. I'm like, oh right, okay. Well, there you go. The cool. legend of the grey world is true. <laughs> <laughs> it was true. It was, oh, it, I still ran into the same wall and still found the same bug to get through that wall. So yeah, 
Did you? Okay, yeah, because I got to the wall and then it just went mission completed. Well done. Took yeah, me back to the main screen. I got to the wall. Uh, and it just stuck there and just stayed there. And I thought I can't scroll to the right and I can't scroll to the left. What do I do? So I sort of <laughs> went my way to the top left-hand corner of the screen. And as I wiggled the joystick and pressed fire, it just kind of gradually, maybe one or two pixels at a time, worked its way over that wall until until eventually I was over it. So I was like, hey. Oh, I don't know. I just got mission complete. Well done. You've, you've yeah, I cleared, the, cleared the world. Yeah, I didn't get I that. Like, okay. Oh, well. Well, you didn't miss much more because it just took you back to the thing and you spent some money and go to another one. Yeah, I thought it might. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Star Soldier. Chocolate Star Soldier. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to our next one. So, Graham, this is uh, another one of yours. Uh, let's t- tell me all about what it's like. Again, um, another nice name. What's it like to be a future knight? Ah, uh, future knight. Apart from bubbly. <laughs> yes, very. So this is very, uh, he looks a bit like a jelly baby, doesn't he? The, the main guy. He really does, yeah. Anyway, so the space cruiser, the SS Rust Bucket, yawn, <sighs> has crashed on planet 2749 of the ZRAG system, or ZRAG system, Uh <laughs> yeah, of course it is. And its passengers have been taken hostage by... Oh, God, I have to say this. Spegbot the Terrible and his minions. <laughs> Thankfully, it wasn't Smegbot, because that would be gross and no. But so Speg... Just honestly. So uh, among them is Prince Amelia. Sorry, Princess Amelia. Could be Prince these days. It doesn't matter. Who is the beloved of the future knight, Randolph. That's you. So you've been teleported into the wreck of the rust bucket to defeat Spegbot and rescue her. The crashed ship contains a horde of broken, malfunctioning Berserker droids. Berserker! And I'm going to insert the Berserker. Berserker! From that movie that we... (laughs) Clerks. Yeah, I'm going to insert Berserker from that there. (laughs) Berserker! So it's got a load of malfunctioning Berserker droids in it. They will attack you on sight if they touch you and they will reduce your energy levels. Reduction to zero means a new suit of armor, three suits and your history. You're a dead knight. You're a, you are a has-been. You're a uh, last knight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're a, a dead knigget. <laughs> you got a you laser are no weapon. More. <laughs> you are no more now. You, you've got a laser weapon, so you can shoot. You can upgrade that as you go around by picking up the various upgrades that are strewn around the ship. You can also find key cards, and oddly in this game, I thought spells, of which there are four types that destroy enemies, mm. and nine which you must use in the correct places to complete the mission. You're going to start to see the problem with this game slowly as these things develop. So the only way to escape the level is to find the exit pass, which allows you to progress to the forest. And completing that level in a similar manner allows you to enter Spegbot's castle. To rescue the princess, you need to have the correct couple of spells or it ain't going to work. So I'll let you kind of let that all of that stew for a second and then you'll realise what the problems of that game design are. Yeah, you guessed it. It's basically a run around the multiple levels of this. This level is graphically presented to you in kind of a three layer. And there's a lot of this going on at the minute. A three-layer left-to-right scrolling, well, actually multiple directions scrolling, but layered yeah. scrolling platform game where you kind of run around, you can go up, down, slide. It's a bit like a weird snake, snakes and ladders, really, this. And you pick up the things and shoot the things and you're making your way around and you're going in and out of doors. And but every single level in the spaceship, at least, looks almost identical, barring the colour. So it goes from red to like an orange, I think, to grey. And the problem with that is it just feels monotonous and samey and dull. And even when you get out of that and you get into the forest, that isn't graphically amazing. And it still feels monotonous and samey and dull. The logic of the game doesn't change. The problem is if you don't have the things you need in the right place at the right time, you can't do anything in this game. And that's a big problem. That's that We're heading into the same problem territory that Avenger had. 
is that if you don't have the right combinations of things for when you get towards the end of this game, you can't do it. And that is really stupid. That's the that's a real painful way of doing game design. Because if you get all that way, are you go- going to want to restart this game and go back and learn from those lessons when you've got that far in? I don't think you are. So I always actually quite liked Future Night. I think he's got a really nice presentation to it. Now, as much as he looks like a jelly baby, the guy that you play in it, and he does this really coy thing of waving when you first start, which I really hate. <laughs> the music when it first starts, I really like. It's a really great Ben Daglish piece of music. One of my faves of his, actually. When I once did a duet with him, sang it, actually, outside of a uh, small cafe in Matlock when I was chatting to him once. Really <laughs> bizarre that we ended up sort of singing a full-blown version of that tune for some reason. I can't remember why. Anyway, we did. But Zap described it as a twee medieval title tune. I wouldn't have said it was, but okay. So it lo- kind of looks the part. It looks kind of base reliefy, bold graphics, chunky style, very medium res. And the game at its heart, I suppose, is just kind of a big old, it's a big old arcade adventure puzzler. Graphics, chunky, quite nicely realised. Everything kind of works. I actually found a couple of bugs in one version, so I I acquired another version which seemed to not have those bugs in it. So maybe that was just, again, something to do with my emulator. Could be. I'm having a few weird issues with it like that. And so while everything works, everything is also, like I said, samey looking. So you're wandering around. You're going to need to map this game in some way because I think... And you're going to need a a set of pencil crayons to map just colours as well because the maps all kind of look the same. They all apply the same logic. This... Some really annoying enemies in them that just get in your way and just do you in quite quickly. And it's all a bit unforgiving. So I thought it was difficult, but that logical problem of not having the right things at the right time or else is really annoying. And I think that leaves it more like a trial and error game. And the game with this kind of an arcade adventure that's trial and error is too big and too cumbersome to make it, unless you're really into these things, are you going to keep going back and back to learn from your mistakes? I don't think you are. So I think um, it looks the part a little bit. It just becomes tiresome. I imagine um, it's a bit like a Choose Your Own Adventure book where all the descriptions are identical, except for the periodic <laughs> death scene that you pick up. So, you know, yeah. it's the best way I can describe it. Zap likened it to a poor man's ghost and goblins in their in their review. And I can see that there's parallels in some way. You're rescuing a princess. That's the kind of parallel I could see. I think they got on a weird medieval sort of thing i don't know what the, quite where they were well, i think it's it. night isn't it so yeah and i suppose the it's, word night. It's, got, yeah, it's got the word night in it and i mean but the whole game is set in space on a spaceship with a guy that looks like a spaceman fighting robots i'm just not seeing the knights in shining armor <laughs> connection really <laughs> no, I'm not um, nor, nor is it got a twee medieval title tune so i'm just not sure what they were doing anyway if you can get past those elements that make it i think are the problems and i think if you can get past that and just if that's the kind of person you are you can you might like it and i do like the way it looks but I think it just gets dull on the eyes and brain in the end. Um, what about you? Yeah. Yeah, I've never liked Future Night. <laughs> I didn't like it back then. I don't like it now. So in the past, I didn't like it. In the future, I don't like it. There's nothing about this <laughs> night that I like at any point in time. Past, present, future, wherever. I never liked this game. It's another um, Andrew Green, Chris Shrigley game, isn't it? So it's yeah, Bounder, it Bull, Bulldog. Yeah. They're, they're prolific. Oh, there's a few um, coming with those, them. Those two. Yeah, yeah. They, they're making a lot, aren't they? So uh, weirdly enough as well, the... the the cover ad is on the. Do you ever get on the back of a horse in this game? Because on the cover, you're in the back of a horse. Uh, um, I don't remember ever doing that. But uh, if you did get on the back of a horse, it better be a strong horse. Because, like we said, he's a, he's a round knight. Um, he's, <laughs> he's certainly rounded. Yeah. Yeah. Randolph. It's another damsel in distress game. Play as Randolph. Yeah, what, all, all the things you've said. I just find it really dull to play. I just find it slow and ploddy. Yeah. Um, and and it just to me just it never hung together and it I, it's that bloody thing again of, of like stop spawning enemies in at me for no yeah, reason does do that you know the graphics are alright in that chunky C64 way there's nice animation and things and the background's decent enough Ben Dragley's tune is alright sound effects are okay it's just a plodding nature to me this feels like someone's seen Metroid 
um, yeah. and and tried to do a, and and been influenced by that into a C sixty four version of that without understanding the what what actually makes Metroid tick without understanding anything to do with Metroid. <laughs> Yeah, and because it, it lacks the pace, the progress of that game. But if you imagine Metroid as you know Samus in a suit running around, shooting stuff, yeah. jumping around, yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that, totally. this, this feels this feels like a C sixty four attempt at that. Yeah, but it's not that great. And and I said the slowness of it, just and the constantly spawning those bloody ghost or those wizard type enemies things. Ugh, don't. Oh, uh, they're just annoying. And those massive droid roboty things. Ugh. And that's that's the other thing I couldn't get about it. There's no there's no there's no cohesive coherent style. Or no. feel of design to it, because wizards don't go with robots, and spells don't go with futuristic stuff. It's like it makes me wonder if this maybe was another game at a certain point in time, where it, where it had knights and and it was set in a medieval world, and then they've just futured it up. Yeah, because then then that middle that middle bit, which is a bit ghosts and goblinsy, in the foresty bit, it feels yeah, yeah. it's like what what is this? it's like it's like two things that just are a bit of a mess and now it, it, like I said I've just I never got on with this game it's 69% whatever it's tenor but and it's just one of those games that I think some people do like some people don't but I, th- I think it's just a it's just a sprawling mass of something yeah 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 um, that, go and play Ghosts and Goblins yeah I'd rather do that at this point and than, than this and it's just I don't like this because there's yeah it's, I, get, I get what they're saying about it because it's kind of a free form Ghosts and Goblins or Metroid but it's, it's nowhere near as good as any of these things and it's just it's slow and ploddy and um, again, I think it's one of those characters where, like, like you said, he waves, and it's like, oh, you're on the future night. He's cool, isn't he? So, no, he's not. I don't know him. Who is he? Why should I care? I don't. No. Like, piss off, Randall. Slow and ploddy were the two dwarfs that were never going to be welcomed back to the little house. <laughs> no, well, they weren't. Well, they never made it back before. Before they, everyone got up in the morning and went out, <laughs> digging again. Yep, exactly. <laughs> we're slow and ploddy on the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, bloody dwarves. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so no, I don't like Future Night. Never have, never will. Well, I, did, I didn't get that impression. I thought you thought you'd loved it. <laughs> no, I've never. Liked, it, you can always tell. We've talked about Commodore sixty four games many times over the years. We have, and it's 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 never a game that's come up in conversation no. because why would I? Why would I? No. <laughs> I'm just gonna go. I hated it. Yeah, <laughs> I've never liked it. So there you go. This just cemented that. I don't like it. That's fair. <laughs> and that's what I think of you, Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Future Night. Nope. It's not in my future. All right, let's move on. Because Future Night may have been ploddy, <laughs> but our next one... <laughs> I don't think I don't even know if there's a word for it. Hey. Oh, what is the next one? So the next one is... Uh, it's a football manager game. It's This is the double... So uh, if you've ever wanted to be a football manager and you felt that football manager was too obvious a name, well, now we've got the <laughs> double. <laughs> that's, just, that's too much. That's too obvious for me. I don't like that. Football manager. Give me something different. Give me something Duissimo. And yeah, and this is Duissimo times a million. God, you're not kidding. <laughs> so, uh, so in the double, you can try and win the coveted double in the double. That's what it is. So it's a football management sim, um, and it is on the sim end of the market. So this is not on the arcade end of the market. This is a sim, like Football Manager, 
it's a uh, it's graphically sparse, shall we say? It's a lot of menus. So you start the game being being you're being offered a contract from some club in the third division. Uh, and when I mean the third division, that is the old school. So when the Premiership and Championship were were mere pipe dreams. Uh, there's only three divisions in this, though, not all four, because obviously they couldn't. I can't imagine what it would have been like if they put all four divisions in. Uh, we'll oh, come to it a bit later, no. but um, so you get offered a, a contract that lasts a year, and you can get booted out at any old time if you think you're doing badly or whatever. So you, should you? take up the offer and because it says do you want to take it up it's like well, why would you not you bought the game if you say no what happens it just turn off <laughs> it just resets you're like oh it took me ages to load that <laughs> yeah so once that's in as a football manager you then have to run all aspects of the club all of them you are not just manager you are everything <laughs> and one of the things you have to do is you have to predict the number of crowd coming in <laughs> It's kind of like really you know. Stupid. I just basically when I when it's turned the number, I just put stuck stuck my finger in my mouth. Uh, uh, I predict two thousand. <laughs> How do I know? A season that started and I have no stats to go by. I have no idea. So. <laughs> <laughs> you have to run everything. It's predicting crowds. You have to improve the ground. You have to buy, sell players. You've got to hire scouts to look for new players, all that sort of thing. And you know, it's, there's loads of stuff to do. All these little, all these boring menus you have to go through. Also, as well, if you do go back to, as I did, because it was so slow, I pressed enter twice and it took me back to predicting the crowd. It doesn't remember what you put in before. I don't even know if it makes any difference. I have no idea. But anyway, at some point, you'll want to go and play a game. So you pick your best 11, and I hope you remembered your best 11 because you just get a list of players with numbers against them. And the numbers aren't their stats. It's just what number they play. So you might have two number 11s, two number 4s, two number 6. This is when numbers were numbers back in the old school football when it was you know the players were numbered 1 to 11. None of this 64 or 72 or 23s. It was like, no, you were either number 1, number 2, number 3, and so on. So you pick best 11 no substitutes and then you continue through the screens at this point it tells you and um and until you get to the start of the game but when i say at this point you continue through the screens it's a point this is this is where the issue with the game lies so i played this on an emulator obviously and i played first of all i played through it in normal mode just normal speed because before you can start a match the game has to pick the starting 11 for all the other teams in all three divisions each one takes two or three seconds four or five seconds to pick them and you have to wait you just sit there and wait all right okay all right i'll you know for purposes of the podcast i will wait the cat the cat the, once this is over i'm sure it'll kind of speed up so then you can either watch the match you can watch another match why <laughs> why would you put yourself through another match where you have nothing invested in um and and have no knowledge of what's going on in your game what kind of manager are you or you just head straight to the results of course you want to watch your own game so you watch a match um and well let's say it's a little on the slow side a little <laughs> and it's a bit badly animated and ugly <laughs> so it's kind of that three i don't know what it's, sort of, it's, it's not quite an isometric view it's it's kind of like an angle like a slightly sort of 60 degree angle whatever you're looking at it from as it progresses from one side and it does scroll so you know and there are 11 players who wander about and a ball does get kicked and at one point there were four of their players in my half and none of mine and, they, and then they, they tackled themselves and I got the ball back somehow I don't know what was going on <laughs> I'd love to see that in reality <laughs> it was amazing they just tackled themselves and, I, and then it, my keeper came out and it takes it's a full 90 minutes but it takes about 15 minutes to watch the game and it's slow and dull and boring and ugly so what you're thinking oh god okay so i sat through one game and then once that was done 
<laughs> the, the, whatever they've done the C64 then has to work out the results of all the other games the 64 teams 32 31 other games and that's bad enough while it slowly chugs away at the most boringly slow video printer video printer thing glowing up the screen which is dull as hell and then for reasons known only to the programmer of this thing it has to work out the attendance figures <laughs> for every game <laughs> I don't know why and that takes upwards of half an hour all this <laughs> I was like, what the hell? I, I, you know, I just, I went off. I was working on some of the stuff. I came back, check if it had done. No, carried on working, came back. No, it's not done. Um, and that was just for one badly animated game. It took nearly an hour to get through one game. There's a lot of stats here, and but the slowness, it's, it's just a nightmare. It's just a nightmare to contend with. However, if you play, uh, if you do play through emulation, stick Vice on warp speed. Because if you stick it on warp speed, and then I went through it all again, got to the game, went, stuck it on warp speed. Amazingly, amazingly, there's actually an enjoyable game of football to watch. <laughs> and I sat there, and when I won, when I was scored, I went, yeah, I scored. But it can only be done by running the game at 12 or 13 times what it can actually, what C64 can actually do. So it's a game that's waiting for a lot more processing power, or it's badly programmed. Either it's one or two, I don't know. But um, if you play it in warp mode, it's actually not too bad. <laughs> but it, So it can only be done in warp mode, because on a regular 64, it's just atrocious. It makes treacle speed look fast. Um, I can't imagine what this was, but I never played this back in the day. I, this was my first stint at this, and it's so slow, but it's got a lot of stats and a lot of things going on. I don't know if anything mean anything, but if you play it in warp mode, then okay, but if you play it in normal mode, settle in, because you're in for a, a long wait. Uh, but you've got to like football management, and you've got to like running a football club, otherwise you're not going to get anything from this. So I don't know. I don't know if it's any good or not. It's not. It's slow, but I don't know. It got 17%, and I can understand why. Did you Did you enjoy your time trying to win the double? Imagine imagine playing this. How long it's going to take you to win the double? No. How long did it take to get through a season? No, of course I didn't enjoy it. I don't, <laughs> I don't enjoy football Being the massive simulation. football fan you are, I thought you well, would. <laughs> even if I was a on the edges of, you know, Maybe 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 football league simulations are for me. No, not like this. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously written in basic, and that's in of itself. I mean, it's impressive. I have to say. I mean, obviously, it's going to run slow, and basic itself. I mean, it, it, it must be in basic that for, to run at that kind of speed. I think and have that kind of textual dexterity and commitment to the Commodore font. Um, <laughs> so I thought, you know what. <laughs> It's going to. I knew it was going to be slow. I mean, I wasn't prepared for how slow. And I have to say, it kind of to totally tuned me out. Not being a football fan and this game are incompatible enough. But not being a football <laughs> fan and this game taking a million years, I was like, what is it doing? Um, so, and it was doing things I couldn't understand. As not, I don't understand them. When it, when I was, it was just figuring out stuff. I'm like, what are you figuring out? Just let's go. And it says a lot about. Um, I think two things. So firstly, I think this is such an intricate and detailed simulation, even in basic. And I think that is a credit to whoever programmed it. Now, I'm not because the fact that you sped it up by, you know, 400% and that actually made it workable is kind of tells you that the game at its heart is quite an interesting football manager set game, similar to football manager, I imagine. And if you like that kind of thing and you're into that kind of thing, then amazing. And if you have got the patience to sit there back in the day on your Commodore 64 and wait for that Vidi printer thing, because... <laughs> I'm just looking at it going, what? <laughs> what? I mean, I'm pretty sure it's faster than this on telly. But you know what? Maybe, you know, they've gone for this kind of idea, I guess, that, you know, it's almost real-time sort of processing and real-time thought process behind it all. 
And the truth of the matter is that um, if you've got the patience for that and you're into football and all of that, back in 1987, maybe this was the thing that would really tickle your fancy. As somebody that's coming to this now who's never really been into football, certainly not football management, I don't really know why I need to know how many people are in the ground, really. <laughs> other than, you know, if you've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of people playing there, I'm sure that's good. But I didn't really get much out of this. Do you know, this is only one year behind 1988's Micropro Soccer, <laughs> which kind of comes along and sort of shows you how to do a football game, really, and make it fun yeah. and playable. Yeah, um, true. So so there's space for these simulator games, I suppose. But is this better than the only other one I know of, which is Football Manager? Well, I don't like either of them. So I leave that decision to the people that like those kind of games and maybe you. And if you tell me that this is, a you know, at 400%, it's actual speed, this game's reasonably playable, I'll take your word for it. I ain't ever going to reload that and find out. Um, <laughs> I don't so, blame uh, you. I'm not going to either. No, it's <laughs> just, I don't. I'm, they're not games that are going to ever be something I'm into ever. But that's not to say that I don't have a little bit of respect for the volume of complexity inside of the basic that drives that. Because I know I've programmed basic myself to some extent, but never to something that, that degree. And it must be just just typing the word run must be like pain, let alone saving the damn thing. So I can only imagine that now. The person who made that's got patience of a saint, like, like the craziest. Imagine game testing it and getting one. No. A, a bug happens after the sixth hour. You'd want to kill yourself. <laughs> so no i was to try and track it down the only way you could do it is play another six hours which well, is, think, to be fair sort of thing would only be after one game well i thought maybe it's called the double because that's the speed you need to run it at <laughs> but uh, i don't know maybe not no if it, well the speed you got to run it at is the uh the, the whatever the word is for the 14th yeah it's a lot faster <laughs> it's a lot lot faster yeah, yeah. i think my, i was running it at something like about 12 what was it about 1200 percent yeah when your uh, when your pentium processor steps in and goes well, hang on a minute right let me run, let me take care of this yeah and even then <laughs> even then it was still taking a second or two to do each, each uh, game that's a lot of number crunching in basic a lot there you go that's the double it's certainly not on the double that's for sure oh very good there you go i was saving that one for you i hope you like that yes good <laughs> Let's move on to our last one for this section before we move into our music. Um, and Graham, it's another Rainbird title. This is uh, Tracker, not to be confused with the healthy chocolate bar. No. Um, this is a uh, Tracker. Tell us all about Tracker. Hey, so Tracker. <laughs> okay. And there we go. Into music. <laughs> <laughs> so this is presented by Rainbird again. Rainbird, Rainbird, Rainbird. <laughs> Rainbird. Um, so, and it's the, this is actually, I thought, I originally thought this was an Amiga game turned C64. That's not true. It's actually a C64 game that went full-blown Amiga at some point. Now, Rainbird, as it turns out, were the, were actually an offshoot. Uh, uh, they were the, considered the premium wing of Firebird. So they're all interconnected. So Rainbird, Firebird was actually set up by a guy called Tony Rainbird. <laughs> That's actually his name. Now, I think whatever you think about the game, Tony Rainbird's a cool name for anybody. Yes, yeah, it is. He make a good. He sounds like he should be a sort of mid eighties spy on the uh, French Riviera. <laughs> so uh, Tony Rainbird presents with with the help of uh, British Telecom, of course, Rainbird, which is Super Firebird essentially. And so we are presented with Tracker. And it's let me if let me, if I start this off by saying that uh, it comes with a sixty page novella and a poster and loads of other guff. And loads more guff on top of that guff. You could probably guess where we're heading with this, because what we said as many, many times is the more guff it comes with, normally the more crap the game is. This mm -hmm. isn't going to necessarily break that trend. So just to give a quick, a very quick overview on Zagoma, 
They've built a computer-controlled leisure facility that's gone mad and sent deadly cycloids to kill everyone. So like a kind of, it sounds like Westworld. You are part of a tracker squad. They could have thought of a better name, I think, than that. Anyway, mm-hmm. you're part of a tracker squad sent in to regain control and destroy the AWOL computers of the facility. So you control your squad, and the idea is you go in there and you've got a control squad of trackers. You've got to navigate the trackways, and you could do that by destination, direction, or joystick. And you, then you can complete the mission. And the screen is split into a kind of three bands. So in the top, you've got short your short range view of the trackways. In the middle, you've got your view of trackers, the, the ones that you've got. So you can control multiple trackers at the same time, for want of a description. Mm-hmm. And at the bottom, you've got either a map or your combat view, which is a kind of a brown. 3D-ish brown of brown brown. It's just brown. Brownie brown brown. It's brown. It is. It's, it's brown. It's, it's vector brown. Um, so that's, that's Errol Brown's uh, brother from Hot Chocolate. So, Bobby, Bobby Brown's dad. So essentially the, game, <laughs> essentially the game is you choose where you're going to go and the idea is you've got to sort of chase down these uh, cycloids inside of these trackers. And they're a bit like, the best way I can describe them really is kind of like the trenches of Star Wars, a Star Wars trench type idea, but brown um, when you get to those kind of 3D bits. So this game was described, by the way, by the guy, a guy called Gary Scheinwald from Rainbird in an interview. He described this, that when they first got to this game or first got this game, because the idea of they was wanted to produce these prestige vector titles for the Commodore 64. When they first came to this, he got given this project. The game was in a disastrous state. That's a quote. And then another quote is, it didn't fit into the Commodore 64's RAM and was incredibly buggy. The Sude 3D trench portion was practically running at seconds per frame rather than frames per second. We've come across that before. Mm-hmm. So this buggy nightmare of a game was handed to somebody called uh, Fuad Katan. Now, do you recognize that name? No. Now, Fuad Katan, or Katan, is the guy that made the Firebird game Empire. Now Empire, oh, okay. now, Empire was the one that was we found rotationally challenging, where you were rotating the world around you, and if yeah. you, because your bullets were at the same speed as you when you fired them, the bullets rotated. Went. There was all sorts of issues and problems, but it was kind of a victory game. So I suppose what I'm saying is that the 60-page novella, the fighting and to control and kill the cycloids on Zaguma, all of that leads to this game, which is actually, by process of description from the people that made it, in a disastrous state, buggy, and it doesn't fit. And I think that actually describes what you end up seeing is the game that's compressed into something that's oddly unplayable and actually quite boring. The idea of trying to kill the cycloids, um, which are sent to attack you in this kind of vector space, is stupid because you can't, they can go much faster than you and your thing is really difficult to control. And so that combination means you can never really shoot or kill anything. And if you do, it's more, more or less... Look, I kept just running into walls and not really, really controlling anything properly. And when I switched between the different views, it did, I didn't know which, which tracker I was in because they all looked the damn same. So it's, it's like, am I in tracker three? Am I in tracker four? What am I doing? And it's just, it becomes this impossible to navigate space and just tedious. And then when you get to the vector part, it's just, you know, it's, it's all meant to be this kind of clever 3D sort of thing. But you know, if you're not doing it like Fresco and Fractalus or any of the Lucasfilm games, if you're not going to do it like that, then don't do it at all. Stop. Stop doing these crappy vector games. And this one's no exception. I think what they've done here is they've realised they've got a massive turd. And so they've just wrapped it in lots of really nice paper and a 60-page novella <laughs> and you get a poster in a nice box. But when you unwrap all of that, what you've got is a turd. There's no way around that. And it just plays like one. So I really didn't like it. It got a uh, 41%, £14.95 on cassette. On cassette, £14.95. So this is their idea of a prestige turd. I mean, if you bought that, you know, you have just scoffed some crap. You have. You've just wolfed down, you know, nom nom style. 
That is a massive dog shit brownie you've just eaten. Rank. <laughs> and I feel because there have been, been people out there that kind of maybe, wait, do you think at this point, these suckers that, that, that were yeah. bought into the, the sort of this idea, because they had Silverbird. Silverbird, I thought, was, is that their budget range or their yes. posh budget range? Or? Um, Cause I don't know what's... Microrhythm was Silverbird, I think. Or was that f- Rainbird? I don't bloody know. I've lost all these different birds out there. Um, <laughs> this is just a bloody crap bird. Um, so uh, I didn't like this at all. I found it is just unplayable, weird, and worst of all, yet another boring Rainbird game. And no matter how much Rainbird, Rainbird, Rainbird you put on it, it's just crap. So yeah. uh, just, I'm going to say it because it is. Dog egg. But what about you? Yeah, yeah, 15 quid for this. <laughs> that's my first comment 15 yeah. quid and I know we, we get accused of like being being aggrieved about games from 35 years ago but 15 quid for this is just even now that's the equivalent of somewhere around about 45, 50 quid oh yeah yeah, it's expensive stuff Christ on a bike anyway I would not have been happy paying that was the cassette gold or something if I'd have got the cassette of gold by Spandau Ballet I would have been happier <laughs> uh, in this if that had been, what, what they're giving me I'd be like oh you know what I've, I've, I've dodged a bullet Tony had this on the cover of the box <laughs> two thumbs up from tony you know one wants that <laughs> nobody because his thumbs are massive remember and he has to get away from the coast <laughs> <laughs> oh dear another rainbird over promise and under deliver is what i put well um, said with, with this it's a sub for me this was a sub quake minus one it reminded me of quake minus one yes 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 well if you said, think about yeah. quake minus one yeah. was the, that sort of place where you sort of steered yeah, around God, this but, is quake you know, minus ten thousand and one. Oh yeah this is this is this is just what yeah it's crap flying around, he's flying around a really dull and very brown tube is no fun uh and i did i couldn't find anything to do just other than steer down tubes and switch between one of your three crafts steer down more brown tubes i'm not going to say much more about it. some games seem overly invested in attempting to you know this whiz bang 3d tech stuff and and this just doesn't do it very well it's a poor man's coronis rift rescue on fractalis quake minus one and it's got none of the interesting bits of any of those games and it's just endless brown tubes to fly down. I put it's like exploring someone's intestine. Um, <laughs> it is so much brown in this. I thought. No, I thought that other game, that Durell game that we played, was like brown. Yeah, but I mean, this one, this is, one, goodness, you just find around. No, no, no one wants to explore that, and it's just you know down the crapper with this one. It's not tracker. It's crapper. <laughs> it's, it really is crap. Because and again, it does that thing of like here's the game. There's no title screen. No, exactly. You've got, you've got, clearly, and that's clearly there's because they've got no memory left. Because no. I don't know why they've got no memory left, because I can't think all that brown takes up that much memory. It's just brown. This, well, this is clearly a you know a toilet being, a shit being flushed down the toilet simulator. <laughs> so that's why well, you're going down all like, those tubes. That's what, that's what it felt like. Yeah, you're just exploring the sewers. <laughs> and, you know, it's just crap. This is, you know, this is what a tracker looks like after I've eaten it. And two days later, it's popping out. <laughs> There ain't no pleasure in it, is there? There ain't. There's no, no. It's just uh, only good, the only bits left are the nutty bits. Uh, um, <laughs> God, no. And that's what this is. And that's what I think of you, Tracker. You are a nutty bit of a yeah. chocolate bar I ate two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> and about as much fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you scratched me on the way out. <laughs> but I agree completely. Oh, it's 15 quid. I'd, I'd, I, have, I'd have been, I would have been crying into my pillow. This is, it is, it's blocky 8-bit piles if you've paid 15 quid for that. Goodness <laughs> me. Absolutely. You're going to feel that one for you ages. You are going to feel Honestly, you've got cuboid piles. <laughs> pile, <isn't there>? Pic, <laughs> pixel piles. Absolutely. No soft edges. 
<laughs> well, all those vector graphics are all very pointy. Massively pointy. I couldn't even find any aliens to shoot in there. There's supposed to be things to shoot. Yeah, that's, that, know, that's what I mean. They're, they're, they're faster than you. So you, you might get a brief glimpse of one, but as it zooms off, it's like, oh, just yeah, What were they lost. called again? Cycloids. Cycloids, yeah. So that sounds like an anal problem as well. It, it sounds like the kind of cream that helps with one, yeah. If you've got, uh, <laughs> if you've got 8-bit piles, try cycloids. <laughs> Absolutely. You've got to be quick, though, to get that on the end of your finger and up there. <laughs> You need the applicator tool. <laughs> yeah, it comes with a massive. It comes with a sixty-page novella telling you how to use it, <laughs> and it's fifteen quid. Oh, that would be really good if the sixty-page novella was just the instructions, and it ended up with sort of thing with the guy just getting massive piles. I did actually put a link to these to the instructions in the. Um, oh, it might be I'm, in not my notes, I'm not reading. Actually. No, don't. I, think I might put it in the show notes, though. So if anyone fancies reading the 60-page nonsense, because it is really crap, the story as well, it's hilarious. So it's worth, it's worth reading just to go. Because <sighs> clearly, they, instead of like in... You remember in um, Starglider, it had this... I uh, had another one that had a, a vector game that had another 60, 80-page novella with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this wasn't, isn't written by that person. This one's written by someone else. And it's just kind of... <laughs> I think they've just gone to someone and gone, we need a 60-page novella fast. And he's gone, all right. And the result <laughs> is that. And it's worth just looking through it going... You read it going... What? <laughs> he sat down. He sat down one night and got up the next day and gone done. Yep. No, That's like, it. Proof. Exactly. Have you proofread it? It doesn't need proofreading. And there's just a, a dustbin full of tracker bar wrappers. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they were proper nutty and chocolatey. Exactly. Back then as well. Yeah. They were. They were enriched and engorged <laughs> with nuts. <you> know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, as a hazelnut in every bite. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> Not a tracker, anyway. It's a topic. Anyway, there we go. Crapper. <laughs> 15 quid crap is all I can say. Let's, let's, uh, let's end there. <laughs> God's sake. Uh, let's end there. That's this section over. Um, we'll be back soon where we will be talking about music for March 1987. So, uh, yeah, stick around for a bit. Spoonfuls to our sponsor, DavidHernWriter.com, where you'll find bargain books, ebooks, and audiobooks. Let's hear a sample from his incredible audiobook, Starfarers and Thanians in Space, narrated by the one and only Tim Valencia. Poppy raised her voice. Navigation's offline. I'm trying to get the damage under control. Elvin, help me out here. Elvin was frozen. I don't want to die. I haven't even seen the new Adam Bender model yet. And I want to. She takes you to new places, the ad said. He wondered about that. Yes, she was a tempting mistress. However, there was some candy aboard this ship he'd never had the chance to get up close and personal with. The core of this ship was highly radioactive, but some things were worth dying for. Deacon snapped. Someone take the cannon. Poppy, turn that infernal thing off. Bo looked about, shaking his head. What cannon? It's gone, mate. Gone. Just like us. Last man in Gallagher, and we can't fire. Wow, you've got to love it, right? Visit DavidHernWriter.com to find out more. (laughs) 
Welcome back. We're cracking in now to music in March 1987. So what was going on in the singles? We've seen this before, I do believe. Stand By Me is at number one for the first week. So we've talked about that. Yeah, the film and the Levi's advert. We know why it's there. Yes, we know exactly why you're there, Benny King. We do. What was this you put here? That it was written by Benny King, Jerry Leiber and Mike Stoller, who together, for some reason, used the pseudonym Elmo Glick. So it's Stand By Me, but it's actually written by Elmo Glick. But that's actually, Good old Elmo. It's just weird. There must have been some contractual reason or something, I guess, that they couldn't put their actual names to it, which is weird because it's Stand By Me by Benny King. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe there's some weird ruling. Uh, it doesn't don't matter, does it? It's a 1961 song. Let's not... We're, we're going back let's not go further to, to the yeah, past. No, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Because next week... Well, the next two weeks was Everything I Own by Boy George. It is. Originally recorded by your favourite band, Bread. <laughs> They're not my favourite band. Though. That is a really good... <laughs> that song is a really good Bread song. <laughs> In say. 1972. Yeah, is it? I don't know. I don't really mm. recognise this song at all. You, If you heard the 1972 Bread version, you would. As soon as you heard it, you'd be like, oh... Because Boy George's version is actually a version of Ken Booth's 1974 reggae version. So uh-huh. so it's not the original sounds similar but it doesn't have obviously it's not reggae so it doesn't have that kind of right. reggae vibe but if you heard the original one you'd be like oh it's that because it's it's you know you it's one of those songs that is you'll you'll know it as soon as you hear it okay all right well i mean i don't recognize the title but if you say i know it then i'll take your word for it um and, and yes it wasn't a great time for boy george was it no if we were talking about this he left culture club he had and that had all broken up and uh then got done for because it was yeah, it was a big deal at the time when it getting arrested for possession of heroin i remember was, being yeah. splashed splashed all over the front of the uh red top tabloids exactly. did he not listen a word to what grange hill was saying just say no. For goodness sake, did he not watch what happened to Zamo? We all watched it. Boy George could not have been much older than we were at the time, maybe a bit, but he must have seen that. Didn't make any difference to him. Crazy. Crazy. No, no. Anyway, there you go. That's Boy George at number at the, at the top there for two weeks. He was replaced two weeks later by uh, Respectable by Mel and Kim. What? Which was a single for one week. Yeah, we know of, you know, calm yourself. It's it's, it's not just that. It's just you know, <laughs> it's it was such. It's it, I think the thing to the thing I would like to just and obviously we've said about Melanchine before, and I, I am a big fan of it as I'm sure you know. However, I'm not going on about and on about all the stock ache and Walkman stuff. Thing about this is just to remember that this predates all of their big hit factory stuff that they be, actually became kind of hated for. So this does predate that. So I it's like quite respectable. Important. So don't mm. worry. Yeah. Well, I was going to say I think, it's this good. Is, I think this is a great. I think this is a great pop tune. It is. It is um, one of the classics. It is pro- yeah, it is one of my. It is the the main Melon King song that I like. Yes, um, it's good. Um, and then that was ousted a week later by Ferry Aid with Let It with their cover of Let It Be. Aye. Um, and this was indeed in aid of the tragic capsizing of the MS Herald of Free Enterprise ferry, uh, which had killed which killed 193 passengers and crew. Tragedy. That's when the uh, was it the, the the back doors or something were left open and it flooded. Was it something or other? Was yeah, it, it was a roll on roll off ferry and the and at that time the doors are obviously on a ferry that's essentially got a great big hole in it. Um, yeah. With those doors open, I think the bow doors. One, of, I think, I can't remember if the bow doors. One of the doors hadn't closed properly and so it yeah. flooded water in and of course then the ferry rolled over which those you know those ferries w- would do in that instance once the water mm. gets in it's a disaster horrible it was i remember it all the fuss on the news about it even as a kid I remember because my dad was obviously in the merchant navy at that point yeah and you know and so he was absolutely horrified and outraged he was the captain of had uh, been the captain on many ferries all different types and he was absolutely heartbroken for the crew and, and outraged for that it was it was a real tragedy that yeah yeah it was it's one of those big things that happened like you know mm. bradford fire disaster yeah yeah absolutely 
absolutely. Football yeah. field. It was one of those big disasters was, of the 80s. It really was. And yes, it featured a lot of people, didn't it? It did. The, the ma- ma- main people, uh, I'll let you do the ensemble, but I'll do the main people. Paul McCartney, Boy George, Karen Woodward, Nick Kamen, Paul King, Mark King, Jackie Graham. Who's Taffy? Did know, but he's there. There he is, or okay. she. Mark Knopfler, Andy Bell, Pepsi and Shirley, Mel and Kim, Gary Moore, Kim Wilde, Nick Kershaw, Edwin Starr, Ben Von Pellier, Pierrot, Ruby Turner and Kate Bush. Aye. But the final ensembles featured a few more people. Well, it's an ensemble, all right, isn't it? The it Alarm, really is, yeah. The Alarm are in there. John Altman. John Altman. Um, is that, am I right in thinking that's John Altman TV's, whatever it was, his TV show presenter? Um, he, not presenter, but he was uh, like a, he was in Upstairs, Downstairs, I think. Is that the John Altman I'm thinking about? It could be right. Uh, could be, could be. Anyway, you've got Debbie Ashby, Al Ashton, Rick, I'm not going to read all this list. Banana Rama are in there, sort of Simon Bates made an pick, appearance. Pick, pick, pick out the ones that stand out. And Diamond was in there. Um, Difford and Teal, Tilbrook, Doctor and the Medics, your favourites were in there. Gloria Honeyford mm-hmm. made an appearance. Um Annabelle Lamb, Linda Lusardi, and Ruth Maddock. What a combo that is. Sue Pollard <laughs> and Maria Whitaker were in there. And Alvin Stardust. Alvin Bloody Stardust was in there. I bet he had that big ring and the whatever it was. He did that stupid finger point you think. Or was that Elvin? I, I don't know. Anyway, Susie Quattro is in there as well. I was going to say, yeah, and amongst all that is Susie Quattro next to Mike Reed. Yep, the new Seekers were in there. Look, They, they were looking for the old Seekers. They were probably in there somewhere as well. <laughs> Probably under Ray Shell. I just I like the idea that Bananarama were near Errol Brown. So that's chocolate Bananarama, really. <laughs> hot chocolate and Bananarama mixed together. <laughs> yeah, hot banana chocolate. That's, uh, you know, that's, that's nice. I'd have that. That was his next single. <laughs> <laughs> it was, not, not Downtown Fever. Um, there you go. That's your number ones. What we got else going on? What's number one in the albums, though? We've, we've already gone, uh, at this. Yeah. Because we've got the Phantom of the Opera is in the first week, its original cast. Yeah, well, I'm not saying anything about it. I don't like it. No, it's just, it was interesting that Richard Stilgo was the co-writer of the libretto. Is that, I found is that, that bizarre. Beardy, is that Beardy Piano yeah. Man from Children's TV? Yeah, from Finders Richard Keepers. Stil- Finders Richard Keepers, Stilgo. Losers Weepers, boo, boo, him. Yeah. It was him. I mean, it would, it would, you would never have imagined that the Phantom of the Opera and him were the same, in the same room, <laughs> let alone, you know, he was responsible for libretto of that, so weird. No, no, you would not. No. But there you go. Replaced a week later by the very best of Hot Chocolate. And you've written again, you don't know enough about this band. You do know loads about that band now. I've told well, you. I know more you... about it, but I didn't know they'd had at least <laughs> one hit every year from 1970 to 1984. Hence, you know, hence why I could do the uh, chocolate, <laughs> chocolate or mocolate, you know. <laughs> and uh, that, that was replaced for two weeks by the Joshua Tree by U2. This is their, I'm pretty, I'm guessing this is their big break album, isn't it? This is their... Yeah, I, I, would, I would. I think it is. It certainly was the one that put them on the map in America. What they had before then, they had War October. Was that are they their albums? War um, October. You'd have to. That's a Google. I'm not. A, I'm not the biggest U2 fan in the world. I have to say so. No, I'm not. But I'm trying to think of some because obviously there was Sunday Bloody Sunday. And stuff yeah, on, I think that's before this, isn't it? So that's before Joshua yeah. Tree. So that's on Unforgettable Fire. Is that one of theirs? Could possibly. Let me have a look. Wikipedia to the rescue. Well, this is their fifth album. So yeah, it is. I'm just wondering. I'm sure they had they had albums called War in October. Oh God, why is this Wikipedia page so bloody long? Because they've released a lot of albums. Yeah, they did. There was Boy was their first one in 1980, October in 81, War in 83, The Unforgettable Fire in 84, and then this was the comeback with Joshua Tree and then mm. the next one. It was these three, really. Joshua Tree, Rattle and Hum and Actung Baby. Yeah, yeah. And then Zeropa. Sort of, and then, yeah, Zeropa and Pop. Uh, yeah. With the next two. But this was the, I think this was the first one that really took took off massively. Well, this is the, this is the one that produced the hit singles that I remembered you two for. That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. With or without you, 
still haven't found what I'm looking for with yeah, Streets of No Name. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. apart from a few others sort of thing, they were a bit, because 1984, they were still a bit punky and a bit in the, in the, on yeah. the wings by 1984. They, yeah. they hadn't punched through. Yeah. I think this is where they became big. Well, this, this, this is the album that really launched them because they got two number ones in the US off this album and that in, for a band of this type to do that, that means you've made it in the US and then after that. It is, yeah. Do you want to talk about The Edge? Well, I'd like just to have a little chat about The Edge because this is, album is frequently listed amongst the greatest albums of all time and it's one of the world's most best-selling albums with over 25 million copies sold. But there's a debate, isn't there, around The Edge? The Edge, a.k.a. Dave Evans, is classed as one of the great guitarists of the world in sort of, whenever they do like a guitar, guitarist's top 10, The Edge mm-hmm. is often either in the top 10 or mentioned or, you know, and and um, the debate I have is that there's one camp that sits with The Edge as this great guitarist and everything else, and there's another camp that says he just uses lots of echoey guitar effects and he's not actually that great a guitarist because everything he plays kind of sounds, certainly in this album, sounds very samey. Mm-hmm. So I think it raises just, it's an interesting question. Is he a great guitarist? who uses effects or is he an effects led guitarist that's doing interesting things I just wonder what your thoughts were on that because I know I know where I kind of sit with it um he's all right I think he, he I think he just he's part of the band didn't he he's just you wouldn't have to you wouldn't have you two without him sort of thing do I think he's a great guitarist it depends whether what you class as a great guitarist do you class mm. a great guitarist as someone who, who can go very fast um, you, you, you know Yingwei Malmsteins and all those kind of people who are te- technically great guitarists sort of thing. or do you class a great guitarist as someone who can someone who can write a catchy tune on a guitar that, that everyone recognises and supports the song that he's trying to write I think I think that's the that's actually the better thing you can yeah. have all the technical ability in the world all the technical chops and be the fastest yeah. shredding guitarist in the world but if you're not playing the right thing for the music you're in or the band you're in and the music then it's just you know it's just we've, and we've we've actually seen that happen live as well do you remember when we've been in in our history we've been in battles of the bands where we've seen that happen right before our very eyes we have yeah and i mean it would happen like 10 years later or sort of seven eight years later when you know with oasis yes you know, noel gallagher is not a, a virtuoso guitarist but he knows how to write a tune that can stick in people's heads and as much as i'm not a massive oasis fan i'm not going to ever deny the impact that oasis had in the mid 90s was it two hundred thousand people at nebworth and stuff yeah yeah no no absolutely and, and, and so and so i i think there's a i think anybody that can pick up a guitar and write a tune that people remember yeah enough people 25 million has to go down well, as a I think great guitarist, if, if, I guess. if you listen to the beginning parts of where the streets have no name or with or without you you, you know th- those guitar lines you remember them yeah exactly and i think like yeah. you're saying i think that's perhaps the important point because i know that you know i'm not a fan of the smiths at all but there's no denying johnny Marr is an incredibly good guitarist for the smiths yes. um and and so and, and likewise um the guy out of muse and there's a number of others that maybe don't get the the arpeggiated shredded chops or but don't play that kind of way and the music doesn't you know if the edge suddenly broke into a mad crazy steve vai type song solo it, it wouldn't <laughs> quite work would it so but i think it just it's just an interesting question because i noticed when i was doing reading through the various things about u2 because i say i'm not a huge u2 fan I'm, i know some tracks off this album and a few tracks off some of the others and i think i've got the joshua tree somewhere i think, it's, I think it was issued to people of a certain age at a certain point <laughs> But I noticed as I went through some of the research for it that that question crops up seemingly every now and again. There's a little debate on YouTube or there's a little debate somewhere like the Edge. I don't know what people, why people rave about the Edge so much. He's not this great guitarist. I wonder what your thoughts were. I did wonder if we could ask his brothers and sisters. Um, that's corner, side, lip, rim, surface, vertex, and Linus O'Toole. Um, but uh, that's up to you to find out when you need to sort of track those down. Uh, <laughs> Linus O'Toole? <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, right, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know him. Uh, he, often, he often pops around here. He, only, he comes around slinking about. Uh, damn him. Do you like the album, actually? Just, I mean, we debated it, but you were a fan. What, Joshua Tree? Yeah. Uh, it's all right. It's okay. I remember all people, right. people I, I, at I, school were going mad for that album. They were, it was yeah. heavy. Like When they liked it, they really liked it, right? I don't think it ever worked its way into my uh, Walkman. No. So it prob- no. probably isn't an album that... I, I imagine, I don't know. My, if, I think if my... Because I, I didn't have a lot of money at the time, so I think if my brother had bought it, I probably would have liked it. Yeah. But because I didn't probably get... You know, I just didn't get access to it. It never stuck with me. So yeah, maybe yeah. that's... Maybe, uh, you know, my brother's responsible for that. Yeah. He's responsible for a lot of things, but you never know. That's uh, for the judge to decide on. <laughs> Finally, for this month, our number one album, we've got the, the return of a perennial favourite. Now that's what I call Music 9. Mm-hmm. Um, is number one for the last week. I was in Tesco's at the at the uh, at the weekend uh, or the other, whenever it was, and uh, yeah, now one hundred and six. Oh my lord! Uh, I saw the CD for the, the, the. In fact, actually, the CD section of Tesco's should have just been called the Now section. Pretty much all there, there was, is there left. Was, well, there was different variants. There was Now Country. Oh, uh, there was Now Hits. Now Hits of the nineties. There was a five disc Now eighties oh, um, CD that was there. Like, there was also a now, now now 80s 12 inch oh. one as well. That's bizarre. I mean, I suppose that you know they've got it. They, they must be on the niche hunt for nows. So isn't it? Yeah. Now that's yeah. what I yeah. call you know insert really <laughs> random thing. Now that's what I call Bavarian folk. <laughs> I don't know what, yeah, but they've got to be. Actually, yeah, but I was, I was just looking through them, just going, what the hell? But yeah, li- literally every one, all the albums are in this CD section were now albums. <laughs> so they're the only people still releasing CDs by the looks of it. Everyone's gone back to vinyl. Weird. Yes, I know. It's gone. There's the big vinyl resurgence, isn't it? It has, but they're all dead expensive vinyl now. Yeah, and record like players 40 are crap. quid. It's, 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 you know, to get a good record player, they're quite expensive to get, you know, and it, and then you just, you know, you're entering into this dark territory of audiophile world. You are, yes. So you mention yeah. record player to an audiophile and just prepare to be bored for the next six hours with talk of <laughs> speakers, needles, weighted this, weighted that. Like, does, does it play records? Does it spin things, got a needle on it, and does that emit sound from a speaker? You know, I don't care if it's a, you know, a, a 6.2 degree horn separation, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> It makes no difference to me. I've played in a rock band for a year. You've played in a rock band for a while. I've been exposed to a lot of loud music. The the My hearing is shot. Yeah, the fidelity <laughs> of the analog audio coming from that speaker is neither here nor there for me now. It doesn't matter. That I'm, I lost my bloody top and bottom range millions of years ago. <laughs> No, playing a drum, sitting next to a drum kit, hammering it for a year will do that to you. Lose all of your bass frequencies. So it doesn't matter to me. No. So, but you know, I've, every time I've mentioned it, I mean, I've got a record player. I didn't mention it. I've got a, Gary, of course, is our is our friend, friend of the podcast, friend. He's very much into all of that. I would never mention it to him. It would just offend him. He'd probably just pick up my record player and smash it on the floor. And go, you asshole! Get a real one, not this toy thing. <laughs> he would. I've seen him do that at someone's house. I as can well. imagine. Yeah, imagine it because he's because he is a, an angry man. They collect. I mean, the collectors you now they collect these vinyls. It must be weird for those people who've spent all that time collecting vinyl because they're like, we've got to keep the vinyl because CDs, you know, it's this perishable media. So somebody's got to be the bastion of all vinyl. Now they're bringing it all back. It's like, oh damn it! All our collections yeah. are worthless. <laughs> Yeah, this was got this was my retirement fund. <laughs> yeah, now they're all they're all they're just making them again. They've opened the factories, they switched it all on. Honestly, yep. honestly, yeah. Don't know where they're getting all the vinyl from though. Melted all the old ones. Down. <laughs> yeah, some say he ca- he carved that album from a thicker album. <laughs> <laughs> 
They're just melting down all the Cliff Richard <laughs> yeah, albums yeah, yeah. to make everything else. The ultimate recycling. Yeah, if you, if you listen very them. carefully, you can just hear the haunting ghosts of all the previous albums just playing through in the background. <laughs> I can't, because I don't, I don't hear that kind of fidelity. No, just hear mistletoe and wine. <laughs> <laughs> Just in the background somewhere. God, that's horrible. Um, I know you can you can have that and just put drop that in every now and again in the middle of a review somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Sample. I'm going to do um, that. I was going to say. I was going to say. By the way, I never want a separated horn, um, <laughs> which is where, which which is words you said a few minutes ago, and I, and it's been it's been tumbling around my head ever since because it sounds awful. If you actually want, like, and this is just a this is just a a, a bit of advice. If you want okay. actual speaker advice don't go to somebody that listens to records go to somebody that has a recording studio because they are experts in understanding the audio and and things like that and speakers and those things and studio speakers studio monitors are they know they're they're designed to give all of that incredible stuff and they know their beans let me just stop you there for a moment all right i know i know all that and i I get all that but you you know you know that um you know uh, i'm gonna get you sucker yes um because and you know this I, I would feel if i went and asked one of those people about that i would feel like chris rock in that scene you know <laughs> <laughs> but you know put in my hand for a damn because <laughs> i wouldn't be able to afford what they were talking about and i'd be like you got anything for a fiver well you'd be surprised there are some good affordable solutions out there i'd recommend rocket g5s just saying i'm not, I'm not saying anymore because i don't understand the specs but rocket g5s are good because i've got okay, a pair I'll of them in my that. recording studio and they're fine I'll take your word for it. How much did they set you back? Can I get them for a fiver? Put them ahead of They're about exactly. three hundred pounds for a pair. Yeah, you see, that's like about two hundred and eighty pound more than I want to spend. Yeah, they're not really the kind of thing you'd have for just playing, you know, music and video games and stuff. They're for no. proper studio monitors. So right, yeah. Well, there you go. Anyway, anywho, now that's what I call speakers. <laughs> First of March, let's crack back. First of March singles, what we got going on? Oh, yes, I'm the great pretender from Freddie Mercury in at number nine. Ooh, yep. Yep. Originally a 1955 hit for the platters. Aye. They were originally called the plates. Originally called that the saucers, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the cups. And then they went back to um, the platters and then we thought, no, I said, we can't do that because they were already the after platters. That, after that, they were called the wide ovals. <laughs> he's, <laughs> Sunday, he's Sunday best. <laughs> The crockery. The crockery, yeah. And then the not and crockery, yeah. (laughs) Willow Uh, patterns. Yes. Mercury's music video for the song featuring parody himself in many of his queen guises. Yes. Yes. Surely that's just a snake in its own tail. It is a bit. Um, I wasn't ever sold really on Freddie Mercury's solo stuff. I think there was one good song. It's A Hard Life, I think, is the one I quite like, but... Other than that, they're, they're kind of because the daft thing is, if you listen to them and you look at the look at the artists who recorded them, it's just Queen. So it's Brian May on guitar, it's it's what's his yeah. name Taylor on drums, and it's, it's just Queen. It's just not released under Queen, I guess. Some kind of contractual thing again, probably. Uh, at number twenty nine was the moonlighting theme by Al Jiro. Aye, good old moonlighting theme. Moon. Yeah. Is that how it goes at all? <laughs> it's not. No, but this was the Civil uh, Shepherd Bruce Willis show. It was. Um, and was a big hit. Um, Huge. I to, yeah, it was a massive hit. It, was, it launched his career, really, didn't it? It did. Yeah, it really did. It certainly put him on the map. Yeah, and this would lead to, obviously, you know, some great films and then a, a, a dip in quality that he's never resurfaced from. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> from, we say? from the minute you made that sort of sleazy film with the multiple personality girl in it, I can't remember what it's called. Oh, it was, it was the Colour of... Colour of... Movement? No, no. Colour of Night, is it, or... Something Colour like of that. Night or something so like that. Yeah, the one with the with the quote unquote sinner from Pinner 
in it as the son called uh, the girl in it as i recall yeah 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 oh, crap yeah yeah it did remind me it was a it was because it was similar to like remington steel yeah in a bit in a sense well, that, kind, yeah. that kind of that kind of mismatched it was just another mismatched pairing wasn't it it was i mean i i didn't get it because i know that because sybil shepherd obviously was quite a well-established actress at this point i mean she'd been in um taxi driver for a start and, and i think some other things are just weird yeah it's just heart to heart it's just those kind of it's just another one of those yeah. male female double act Dempsey and make peace it's another one of them kind of i mean it played more on the kind of will they won't they didn't it this one heavily it did yeah yeah no, in a way that um what was that well i think remington steel did as well didn't it I, I don't remember much about remington steel i remember cheers just doing it because it was will it won't sam be and sam and diane then it was sam and whoever it was after diane the you know kirstie alley's character yeah um, yeah, so yeah, I, I, I guess it's based on that, but it's it's heralded as one of the great influential comedy dramas is Moonlighting. Yeah, I can see why. It was very popular at the time. Have they um, not heard of um, Juliet Bravo or The Gentle Touch? <laughs> Gentle comedies? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just saying, comedy dramas. I mean, there was maybe there wasn't as much comedy in those than drama. Uh, there weren't much comedy in Juliet Bravo. <laughs> I don't remember Certainly much about it. Certainly not the gentle touch. I don't remember. I just remember that sounding like the description of a toilet paper more than anything else. Oh, the gentle touch. The gentle touch, yeah. Soft, <laughs> strong and very long is the gentle touch. The Moonlighting theme, by the way, produced by Nile Rogers. Yeah, back, back to the sh- back to the song. Yeah, no, no, friend of the podcast, Nile Rogers. I don't know. He might be. I don't know. But, <laughs> friend uh, of a podcast. Yeah, friend of, a friend of podcasts in general. Um, but I saw him on an interview recently. I think it was on Jonathan Ross. The guy's a, just a, literally a genius and a really kind one. He donates a lot of money, his own personal money into charitable causes all the time sets up foundations for supporting underprivileged kids from all sorts of backgrounds to try and get them into music the guy's genuinely kind and and also an incredible producer throughout the year so i think he just deserved a bit of a nod and it never even occurred to me that now rogers would be responsible for yet more stuff that's out there but there it is right there moonlight theme some walk by night that one that's the one there you go. Yeah. That's the right one. That's it. Just underneath that, at number 30, was Alison Moyer with Weak in the Presence of Beauty. Ugh. You don't like this. I quite like this song. I don't mind this. Ugh. I'm not a big Alison Moyer fan, but I don't mind this. Weak in the Presence of Beauty. No. I, I like Alison Moyer Yazoo, but I don't like this. And it's not even a song that she wrote, or it's a song originally by a group called Floyd Joy. Um, and I put the link in the, the notes for you from yeah, look yeah. at. So watch the original. It sounds exactly the same. And the only difference is that she recorded it <laughs> shortly after they did. And knowing that she could make it a big hit and then in the 2004 yeah. interview she professed that she actually really regretted doing that because she hated the song and only did it for the money yeah. and it was Fair she classified, classed it as one of the worst decisions she ever made that and a song that came after it, i think she actually hated the fact that she did it but as i've mentioned here it's uh, as it was predicted in the ancient scrolls of yazoo <laughs> so <laughs> uh, i read them for a while i need to check up see what else they predicted i need to know the uh, lottery numbers for next week <laughs> consult the ancient scrolls of yazoo Okay. Um, I'd rather consult them than listen to the next song. Oh, God. uh, Which is Watching the Wildlife in at number 37 by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Um, In in the annals of crash and burn so quick, it's uh, almost, you know, we've seen seen them rise and fall over the course of this podcast and how far they have fallen because this song is dreadful. It's truly horrible, isn't it? Seventh single from that album. Yeah, mercifully the last. Yeah, but that was it, wasn't it, for them? think they were done awful 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 song and it showed you if you listen to that and we'll put the link in the show notes like we do for some of these things it shows you how far removed they got from the trevor horn sound because that single is absolutely 
absolutely dreadful. And I mean, like, bad in a way even I... Because I totally tuned out of Frankie Goes to Hollywood at this point, knowing that that album is crap and the singles have been awful so far. But that one, as a final hurrah for them, it's a tragedy because it's so awful. But we'll put it there so you can... You can be the judge yourself, but you won't like it. <laughs> you won't. <laughs> You no. can't blame us. No, don't sir, us. I don't like it. <laughs> Number 47 was Respect Yourself by Bruce Willis. He's, He's back, back again. <laughs> um, I remember my friend, um, I don't know if you knew him, actually, a guy, a guy called Tim, Tim Barnum. No. He lived near you. He was a C64 guy. That's why I knew him. Okay. Um, but he was really into the return of Bruno, and he kept playing it every time, all the time, when I ran it out. And it was like, stop playing this. What a strange Dreadful. thing to be into as a teenager. I know, it was really weird. And yeah, so there was an album, wasn't there? It was like just a cover album, because he did Under the Boardwalk, didn't he, as he well? Did. It did at some did. point it was just crap and it was just just Bruce Willis oh it's awful making making bad decisions but I, suppose, I imagine he made a lot of money from it so by his choice you know he got to just record some music but this is a terrible song well it was a TV special The Return of Bruno that was then changed into an album and then this single was released off that the original hit yeah. was a 1971 hit for the Staple Singers and prior to that, it was the, uh, I was going to crack a, sta- a crappy staple joke then, but I, I really can't be asked. <laughs> <laughs> the drawing pins. There we go. Drawing pin singers. There we go. <laughs> but the strange thing is that his album has got Booker T. Jones, The Point Sisters, The Temptations. It's got a lot of yeah. like, heavy hitting stuff on it. But it's. I think it says more about that mega media Hollywood invested in their stars logic. So that you know they create brand Willis and then exploit that brand into every media type that that particular company and I'm I'm guessing it's one of the big companies at this point. So what would have become Fox or Disney or whatever? But where they take a brand and they create a thing and then they just literally push that into every single strand of media they can. So film, TV, music, and just hammer it until Bruce Willis becomes available in every format known to man. Because it's the way you you know maximum amount of marketing spend and dollars and to get your return and your investment. And I'm guessing that's really, this is the first time I think that we've really seen that with a Hollywood type star where they've just released a really self-indulgent load of nonsense like this. Because the rest of them, have always, I think they've always been mu- musicians of a, or singers. I don't think I don't think there's been other, there's been other film stars at this point. I don't think there has, has there? Well, I, don't I mean, any. I don't. I'm not sure about any. I mean, you could say William Shatner if you wanted, but but if you go back, I suppose you've got your people like Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra. Yeah, they were singers before they were film stars, though. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So maybe he just saw himself as part of that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah that's sort of tradition. Know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that kind of that that sort of thing. I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But enough about him. If You Let Me Stay was at number 77 by Terence Trent Dabé. Right. And that's, uh, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a song in it. Well, it's the, if you let me stay. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, that's the one, yeah. Now, there's a thing about this, isn't there? Because <laughs> I, I generally don't like songs like this anyway, but I don't like songs where, and Simply Red do this all the time, by the way, where the song starts and then they have like a spoken word bit. So this song starts with, you know, drum beats, you know, sweetheart, listen, I know the last few pages haven't been good for the both of us. And you get that kind of thing now. I would challenge to, the thing is, to put a breakbeat down and then do that in a completely different, non-related accent, because he does it in like a kind of a sweet, sort of sexy, soul-y voice. But it doesn't have to be that way, does it? This could be done with a robot <laughs> voice, or it could be done with, you know, a great, really broad Yorkshire accent. So, sweetheart, listen, I know the last few pages haven't been very good for the both of us, and I think it you lots of grief. Put those bags down, okay, before you make a decision like that. Please, just listen to me, because I don't want you to leave. I definitely don't want you to leave. Just hear me out. So you could do it like that, or you could do a, you know, varying versions. I think that the it lends itself to that more. So I think that's I think the that, fun part. That could have been a song that was sang by Jack Duckworth to Vera Duckworth in Coronation <laughs> Street. I would have liked to have heard that version, if I'm honest. Sweetheart, listen. 
<laughs> or even better, Vera to du- Vera to Jack. I might record a couple of versions. Get like you know, remember remember the really gravelly voiced woman from Coronation Street? What was her name? Hey, Percy Love. That one, <laughs> sweet Alison. I don't know. No, I might do a couple of versions and stick them down in there as a, for a goof. We'll see. For but a goof. Yeah. I also, I put a couple of links in there for some natural sort of online readers where they sort of create online versions and you can put sort of humorous accented versions and you can do that yourself we'll put the text of that in the website for you to create your own little audio snippets stick them in twitter if you can download them that'd be a hoot just you know just for funsies it's better than that crappy song yeah you could do it if you want to (laughs) yeah uh number 89 was the telephone call by Kraftwerk. Uh, i don't know it all did you, uh, was you so, a fan of Kraftwerk by this point? Was you, was you ever a fan of Kraftwerk? Because I wouldn't say I was a fan. Uh, I, I don't think I was a fan. I, I was just appreciative, I think is the yeah. word. Yeah, mes- a bit uh, mesmerising. You know, when they first started, you know, Man the Machine. Model and stuff era, like that. Yeah, Man Machine with, with Metropolis and the model and stuff like that. Yeah, I think. They're great tunes, but yeah. by this point it's become... Well, what? this is weird, this one, isn't it? Did you, uh, did yeah. you check it out? I mean, it's... It's the second and last single off Electric Cafe. The Electric Cafe's got, you know, boing, bump chat and all that on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I found this so far removed from that kind of minimalist sort of techno sound of Man Machine that it's just not quite. But if you listen to this and listen to the sounds, the synth sounds, eliding the sort of weird noises, the sounds themselves, they're heavily influential on all the C64 tunes that are coming oh, out around this yeah, time. Ma- Massively, yeah, yeah. Really quite interesting. No, no, no two ways around that. 8th of March, let's move on. Sign of the Times by the Prince in at number 20. Aye. First single from the incoming album of the same name, but that would be his, well, his fifth album this year. Um, <laughs> this, this week <laughs> this week he can't be stopped Prince he stop releasing things yeah it's a good track clever and supremely minimalist single yep god you've got techno here losing a Lin LM1 drum machine and a Fairlight CMI synthesizer that's all it uses and only uses the presets yep ah, well there you go that's pre- whenever I used a synthesizer it never sounded like this yeah you didn't have a Lin M1 an LM1 and a Fairlight CMI because the no, they're I had one of those ones you had to blow into yeah, the Bon Tempe <laughs> versions are not the same <laughs> um, it's That's a very well I crafted, ever do. very well crafted piece of synth pop is Sign of the Times I'd love to hear a version of this on one of those ones you had to blow into there's bound to be a version you just gotta get that oh yeah part right are on a recorder yes um at number 24 is tonight 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 uh, by genesis yeah yes track two on the invisible touch album <laughs> what what what's this that happened at one of their concerts <laughs> i was just saying that when they played this song at one of their concerts it caused the genesis effect which had the unfortunate side effect of reorganizing all organic matter at the conference and the and they, where they were singing, luckily created a magic cave full of apples. And I'll put the video <laughs> all about it. And um, this you've seen a film, Star Trek, Wrath of Khan's all about it. The Genesis effect. So, oh right, yeah, yeah. So there's an entire speech on it. Yeah, it's what happens whenever they play a gig somewhere. <laughs> there's you know a, a planet gets rearranged into organically. Some unfortunate side effect. They just you know they never knew. They didn't know, but we know now. Yes. Well, there you go. I'm glad. I'm glad I heard that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> number thirty two was Severina by the Mission. Yes, it is indeed a type of pudding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. What do you want for tea? What do you want for What do you want for your afters? Severina, mum. <laughs> Severina. Have we got any Severina? I'll just get me a little hat and have a look. <laughs> uh, is this is God's Own Medicine the one the album that you really do like, or the one that you're not really bothered about? I can't no, remember. no, I do like it. Yeah, it's the first album. I like the first three. 
Because this is the most Sisters of Mercy one, I think, isn't it? Because obviously they get less, only because they're not not saying they're the same as, but I think it's... Yeah, this is the closest. This is Jangly Mission. Yeah. This is the most Jangly album. The one that's closest to uh, First first and Last and Always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First Sisters album. Uh, Yeah, Mission by Numbers. Severina's not one of my favourite Mission tracks. It's okay. It's all right. But it is a delicious pudding, to say. It is a a delicious pudding. Yeah, it was always that or Cremola. Oh, Cremola. Not its not, not its lesser known tapioca or whatever it was called. No, creamola. creamola. I used to love yeah. creamola. Creamola rice, yep. Mm, lovely stuff. Um, at number 43 is What You Get Is What You See, which sounds by Tina Turner, not as I was going to expect by Meatloaf. <laughs> sounds like a Meatloaf track. It does title. sound like a Meatloaf track. <laughs> what you get is what you see. You hear it. Uh, it's his from the Break Every Rule album, Your Mum and My Brother, uh, a massive <laughs> Tina Turner fan. Thank God you finished that <laughs> sentence off. <laughs> this was during the denim jacket enormous hair phase uh, yeah, which, it's still going on yeah, I was going to say which, it's, 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 still it's going, ended. still going strong that look it can't be stopped that <laughs> denim jacket is so voluminous <laughs> it's gone beyond triple denim to uh, all the denim it's just sucking denim into it it's so denim it's where denim goes to die it is it's like a, it's a, it's a denim hole yeah it is like and there was hole. enough there was enough product on her hair that we you know she was uh, declared responsible for the ozone layer <laughs> hole um and d- declared a, a you know a state state menace she wasn't she wasn't allowed to go in wales for three years no that she never allowed anywhere near the city limits of nutbush <laughs> she, in fact she wrote a song about it and annoyed her that much <laughs> i know where is nutbush um, i don't know but don't go near the city limits <laughs> <laughs> i won't because i have to do that walk yeah, everybody down, is, down, down, down. It just it just makes you do that walk as you get there makes your leg makes you makes the middle of your legs part <laughs> and go farther apart <laughs> no one's thighs ever touch in nutbush <laughs> that's on the postcards strange enough <laughs> Today's as well. It's a really wide postcard. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, the aptly titled track for that bit uh, by Cindy Lauper is at number eighty-eight. Mm. I didn't know. I didn't recognise this one at all. It's a cover of the Marvin Gaye song. What's going on? Fame. The very, very, very ah. famous Marvin Gaye. What's going ah. on? You know the stupendously right, okay. amazing Marvin Gaye song. So she crows away through it like a rainbow rooster. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a place, time and a place for Cindy Lauper, some of her stuff, you know, but not this. Not this. Um, and the not video like is, uh, the video for this is horrific. It's really bad. So well, again, we'll put, maybe put the link on the thingy so you can judge it for yourself. But I just found she looked like a rainbow covered, rainbow flavored rooster is what I put, which is true, I think. Okay, March 15th. Let's crack through these because uh, we've got, still got a lot to go. Let's wait a while. No, let's not by Janet Jackson. Mm. Uh, at number 31 a song about abstinence it's totally abstinence yeah it's a very twee yeah. song about not doing it fair enough whatever <laughs> whatever don't float your boat Janet. exactly exactly yeah <laughs> exactly okay uh ever fallen in love at number 46 by the fine young cannibals mm. I, I, i'd hate this version i yeah, literally hate no, it. i agree i agree with you I his, hate his, it. His, his vocals are not built for this song no R- roland whatever his face is roland gift uh, should not be well, roland gift because he sings with i've noticed i noted he sings with, yeah. in love with it's a good impression he's got a squeeze horn <laughs> stuck in the back of his throat you know like you get on them push bikes <laughs> He's got one of them, so whenever he sings, yeah, he's <laughs> the uh, uh, Springfield goofball. Can you imagine he drives up to one of those drive through McDonald's? Hello, could I take your order? Big and fries, please. Sorry, sorry, what was that? Oh, sorry, is that Big Mac? Did you say? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, we'll go. 
Just go drive through the other window, for God's sake. Thank you. Just go. <laughs> Can you enter your PIN number? Oh, dear. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Roland. Do you have any hammer? <laughs> yeah so I, yeah i don't like that version and it's not because he honks his way through it although that doesn't help i just i really like the buzzcocks version so yeah. why why would yeah. anyone sing Want a version? cannibals yeah. version yeah yeah why would anyone yeah. do that when you've got the buzzcocks version which is kind of the classic but yeah, I, it's I noted unique. it's it's in a soundtrack for a film which i'm guessing why it's kind of reappeared so. uh yeah yeah it is they got paid to do it so fair enough at number 68 is get that love by the thompson twins <laughs> and again there are three of them so it annoys me <laughs> the thompson triplets didn't, didn't, I just yeah. didn't have the same ring did it well they're named after the twins from tintin aren't they yeah they are yeah. Um, but is, there's three of them and so they don't look stupid. anything like it no they don't because those guys look like wimpy no exactly and then are they interfering you know in people's business because that's what the thompson twins did in tintin as i remember it yeah i don't just know they worked the for yeah they did didn't they anyway but um yeah bland core absolutely oh, thompson twins terrible were pure, bland core. Pure, I mean, f- we've just had a bland core double bill fine young cannibals and thompson twins oh. and the third one as well i know you like howard jones number 70 howard I jones like with a little one. bit of snow is he singing about heroin yes he is you know it's, he donated oh, right. he donated this song oh, right to the 1986 anti-heroin project. It's got a little bit of snow and the song is a really bleak sounding thing about a cocaine user that couldn't get high. Chirpy. If it's about a cocaine user, why did he donate it to the anti-heroin project? Well, exactly. It's all part and parcel of the don't do drugs message that was coming out of that. I'm pretty sure, I mean, I've paraphrased the lyrics. There's probably more to it than that. I bet he, I bet he met Nancy Reagan. Oh, I don't doubt. Probably sang a song about her. I have to watch this. I haven't yet watched this next track. Sort of thing, must... but number 96 where is When the World Comes Down by Magnum. Oh, God. Oh, Number 96, yeah. goodness me. Yeah. Uh, it's got epic panpipes, has it? I'm it, looking not, forward not to it. Not only has it got epic panpipes, the opening salvo of that song is like <laughs> someone hit the preset button on a Roland and Korg <laughs> synthesizer in the 80s and they just all went off one after another. <laughs> Honestly, it's like, it's you know, it starts off with a boo and then the shaku hatches and then the, the and then you know, all of them sounds like, as soon as you hear it you'll be like oh my it's like listening to the beginning of every 80s movie around that time so it's a little bit of Karate Kid in there it's a little bit of you know you, trust me everyone when we post the link go and check it out and apart from the fact you'll be mesmerised by the amount the volume of panpipes that Magnum have put into a song I don't think it was even possible to do that no. but um, they, they, they found a way they always find a way. Um, with or without, right, March 22nd, with or without you, by U2 yeah. is in at number four. Yeah. That will go to number one. We've spoken about them. Big Time by Peter Gabriel in at number 15. Yeah. I like Big Time. I like the song. Straight. Right. I'm not a big, big Peter Gabriel fan. Like I said, I'm a, more of a fan of his older stuff, his, his uh, post Genesis stuff. Um, I really like. The, the notable thing there is that the bassist and the drummer, they actually teamed up. So the drummer plays the bass percussively by hitting the bass, the fretless bass with his drumsticks. And his quote is saying that he, uh, Levin handled the fingering while Marotta hit the strict, hit the strings with his drumsticks, which I thought reminded me of that moment in the film Alien Covenant where he says, you finger and I'll blow. But um, <laughs> I mean, he's on about the pipes, but that's just, you know, that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, whatever, it created a big time. 
Um, the classic, and at number 34, is the Irish Rover. It is. The Pogues and the Dubliners. Yes. And it is an Irish folk song, yeah. Um, yeah. Magnificent, though, improbable sailing ship that reaches an unfortunate end. It is. Shane McGowan's a looker, isn't he? It, well, <laughs> I made a note here that, because um, he was obviously, the Dubliners <laughs> were from Ireland, the Pogues are a Celtic band found in London. And then they kind of formed together to do this sort of classic song. But Shane McGowan, slowly over the period of the time that he was appeared on top of the pops and subsequently just gradually became a Fulci <laughs> zombie. <laughs> but who managed to retain the ability to order vodka because <laughs> he just slowly but surely becomes a zombie. <laughs> yeah, he does. He did. <laughs> oh, God bless him. At number 39 is White Snake with Still of the Night. And yes, that image is all you need to know. <laughs> it just, every, that's the, honestly, uh, the, it's just the default image from YouTube for the video and it's just a close-up of david coverdale's intense face and hair yeah he looks like uh he looks like the beast from beauty and the beast without without the application of makeup yes actually yeah, it totally does yeah he does he could have just hired him for the part and they would have saved you know every or every week they would have saved loads of money on makeup just hired david coverdale for those parts they would they would indeed um famous obviously for the fact that it's got tony katane in the video she features in most of his videos anyone will think that yeah. he was proud to have her as his girlfriend i think or wife maybe both um and curious curiosity i once dj'd at a fashion show produced by and starring david coverdale's goddaughter lovely person she was too so there you go all right um, is Tony Katane her real name? Uh, it was. She's dead now. Yeah. Well, no, I know. Well, she still has the name, but it can't be a real name. No one's called Tony Katane. Well, that was the name that she was, whether it was what she was given at birth or whether it's what she became, <sighs> I don't know. But that's how everyone yeah. remembers her. Anyway, yeah. Heat of the Night in at number 54 by Brian Adams. Uh, okay, let's see if this works because you've noted here reciting these lyrics will empower me with Brian Adams' turbo power. Go for it. Okay. I was caught in the crossfire of a silent scream where one man's nightmare is another man's dream. Pull the covers up high and pray for the morning light because you're living alone in the heat of the night. Ooh. I feel empowered. I can I can hear it. I could hear it in your tone. Oh, man. Usual Brian Adams guff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Video bet, standard guff. Is he playing a guitar and wearing a body warmer? Yes. Or a leather jacket? He is yeah, at a certain point, yeah, with one key light and lots of smoke. Yes. Excellent. More bland core at number 99 was Wishing I Was Lucky by Wet Wet Wet. Yep. Uh, I thought it was their debut single coming in at number 99. That's why yep. I popped it in. Just as a note, listen to that. If you do get a minute, don't like it because you won't. But it does sound just like, it sounds like ABC, The Look of Love, but poppier. Same sort of All vibe. Right, okay. Last uh, last bit of singles, 29th of March, La Is La Bonita. Yeah, we've mentioned that before, I think. I don't know quite why, but we have. Well, I think we've just spoken about it in the, in regards to the album. So this is when the single comes out. We'll talk about, we'll leave this one because we'll talk about it next month because it gets to number one. Yeah. So we'll talk about it then. At number 22, Ordinary Day by Curiosity Killed the Cat. Yep. More, more Blandcore. Absolutely. <laughs> the previous band names were arguably more controversial. Clawhammer Killed the Cat, Napalm. Yep. My cat killed the cat and boiling water killed the cat. Yeah. Lots of experimentations <laughs> with different kind of cat death before they settled on curiosity with them. Yeah. I wonder if they were gone for a, I wonder if they've gone for a different animal. Curiosity killed the Dog. cockatoo. <laughs> now that is probably something that would happen, because they are curious little creatures, those cockatoos. Absolutely. Curiosity killed uh, you know. If they teamed up with Merillion, they could be Curiosity Killed the Catfish. Yeah, or it could be, you know, they don't have to kill, does it? It could be maimed or poisoned. Curiosity poisoned the snake. Yes, it could be. <laughs> um, <laughs> number 30 is David Bowie with Day In, Day Out. Yeah, I tuned out of Bowie by this point, totally. Yeah, so. 17th studio album. Yeah, at this point, yeah. Never Let Me Down. Yeah, <laughs> who knows anything about this? I don't. No. At number 42 uh, is Living in a Box by Living in a Box. You know that's just going to anger me, don't you? Yes. 
Yes, yes, because it's called Living, in a, box, an, living a, in a Box. I don't mind an album by the same, even if you're calling your, your eponymous <laughs> debut album, that's fine. It's not a single. You can't call your single your same name as your band. No. That's all wrong. Just Living in a Box, Living, no, 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 bland, call. Uh, yeah. Number 49 is Never Take Me Alive by Spirit Destiny. Interesting track, that. It is, really good song. I, I, I like Spirit Destiny. Uh, you've never listened to, you should listen to some. It's really good. I've listened they're to some, good, they're a good but, band. but not lots. And um, that actually put me on a bit of a spirit. Spirit Destiny vibe that listening re-listening to Never Take Me Alive. So I'm going to go back and visit more of their catalog because mm. I liked what I heard. I really liked the the sound and the vibe they they had in that. It's really good. Yeah, it's Kirk Kirk Hamnet Kirk Hamnet. I think is it is the guy no, Kirk Kirk Brandon. Kirk, so Brandon. Kirk Hamnet's from Metallica. Isn't Metallica's he's Kirk Brandon. Somebody like that. I think. Um, and it's just it's just really good. I mean, Never Take Me Alive is really good. It's radio, radio. There's tons of really good stuff. There is. Um, and so they, they were kind of always, always on the edge of the gothy gothy sort of fringes. Yeah. Yeah, the gothy punk fringe. I think what another interesting factoid there is if you listen to that and then listen to the slowed down version of Jolene by Dolly Parton, which you can find on YouTube where they've slowed it down uh, properly, uh, they actually sound very similar. And the slowed down version of Jolene by Dolly Parton is by and far the best version of that track. So I definitely recommend you have a listen. Mm, that, there was, who did that? The slowed down version. Who did the really heavy version of Jolene? Now you've mentioned that. Was tell a you. Band, it was a band called Queen Adrena. Okay. Uh, there's a really good version of Jolene. I think it's by Queen Adrena. Okay. Um, I shall check that, it out. That is good. Really heavy, rocky, good band. Fleetwood Mac in at number 70 with Big Love. I'm not a fan of Big Fleetwood Mac at all. I'm a big fan of this period of Fleetwood okay. Mac. Rumours, Tango of the Night, Tusk. I, I can't. I love that period of Fleetwood Mac. I think it's just they're just amazing. It's right. amazing three albums. I mean, there's seven singles off Tango in the Night. I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't um, doubt that. So, and, and they're all and they're all thing. they're all ace. I love Big Love. If there's a great. There's a video actually. I'll, I'll put it in here. There's a video. There's a live video of uh, Lindsey Buckingham playing Big Love live on his own on a guitar. And you as a musician, and I know you are. You, you're watching. You go now. There, we were talking earlier on about good guitarists. Oh no, I don't doubt the techno technological and it's not that. Just, just just watch it play and it's singing and it's just an amazing performance. Yeah, yeah, just, I, it's incredible. I, I, I just hate the band. I hate the music. I hate their music. <laughs> but uh, I, I, no, I dig, the, dig the fact that they're liked. I just it's really not my thing. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Teenage Frankenstein at number eighty by Alice Cooper. Yes. Uh, second single from the Constrictor album. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> written part of the horror film. The yeah soundtrack to Friday Thirteenth Part Six. Jason. And lives it is not quite sure what he was doing for the previous five films well he wanted the first one i guess he was dead <laughs> um so hmm, anyway and finally just to wrap up uh singles nothing's gonna stop us now by starship at number 82 yay uh, you're a big fan of this song aren't you i prefer the other other starship songs like um, we built this city but yeah but nothing's gonna stop us now is mannequin isn't it thing from mannequin it is from mannequin yes sung of course by grace slick and mickey thomas isn't it who yeah she's an amazing vocalist gracie slick though really cool yeah um, but this was written by Diane Warren, who wrote If I Could Turn Back Time for Sharon, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing, produced and also written by Albert Hammond, a co-written, wrote songs for people like Celine Dion and Aretha Franklin and Whitney Houston. So it's got such chops, pedigree behind it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it's sung by the people of Starship, who, without going into the long, complicated, weird relationship between them and, you know, the, the direct connections between them and Jefferson Airplane, and then they became Jefferson Starship, and then they weren't allowed to use the words Jefferson and Starship, so they could, uh, sorry, Jefferson Airplane, or something like that. So they ended up just being Starship in the end of it all, so... 
They go. did. And there we go. That's your singles. Let's crack through the albums. First of March, The World Won't Listen by The Smiths at number no. two. Compilation um, album. Uh, I didn't listen. No, a dreary, uh-huh. opinionated trip down self-loathing avenue. That's what I described that as. Featuring yeah. such classic B-side singlers, Why Did You Buy Me an Omelette, The Girl with the Orthopaedic Shoe, The Record Player is Broken Again, and The Man in the Tracksuit Has Died. Seriously, that sounds like a Chris Morris routine. <laughs> They're not, I made those up. They're not real tracks off Vermont. Oh, right. I thought, I, that's how bad I thought they were. Well, that's the thought... thing. They could easy be. You could just have fun, yeah. making, have fun making up your own Smith songs. The Girl with the Orthopaedic Shoe. <laughs> <laughs> The man in the tracksuit has died. <laughs> See, it's easy, isn't it? Wow, Why died. did you buy me an omelette? <laughs> when I wanted a courgette for a tartar. <laughs> the record player is broken again. <laughs> we have to listen to the radio. <laughs> and the radio is all rubbish. <laughs> Can you think of? I can't think of anything worse than listening to a, a collection of the Smiths' A sides, let alone a collection of the Smiths' B sides. Goodness, no! What a depressing bugger that. Bug that. Bloody ugh, God, no! Uh, uh, in at number ninety-three was the soundtrack to the Mission classic. Uh, now I haven't just included this because it's called the Mission. Uh, it's because it's by Ennio Morricone, and it mm. is a stunningly good soundtrack. It is very much so. Um, I'm not a big soundtrack liker, as you well know. I'm not massive into soundtracks, but even I appreciate that. I appreciate that one. Bloody yes. I think every now and again, uh, Ennio Morricone comes along and just just shows you that um, he is a genuinely amazing composer. Yeah, um, and, yeah, he, and, and just every now and again, it just you know, and it just something like this just just proof. I mean, there's so many films that Ennio Morricone is involved with. It's ridiculous, and we could you know to list them all now would take another an hour. We're not going to do that. But no. this one is an amazing thing. It's, it's, I listen to it fairly regularly because it's such great music and really uplifting. So really, really good. Mm, it is eighth of March. Uh, number eight was Wild Frontier by Gary Moore. Aye. His, his sixth solo studio album. I'm going to be honest, I've never really listened to any Gary Moore. I mean, nah, I should. But... It's not everyone's cup of tea. Kind of uh, bluesy rock, really. and just. But it, yeah. it does demonstrate how good a guitarist he was, if you like yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I don't doubt it. Uh, St. Julian at number 11 was by Julian Cope. Mm-hmm. If you had a good read of his book, have I you? have read his book, The Neolithic Culture, and while I do agree that Mesolithic tendency for group hunting does imply that they were survivalists more than settlers, I simply cannot agree that they invented the hula hoop. <laughs> well, someone had to, and and they found uh, they found fossilized hooping remains <laughs> um, in in uh, you know in burial sites uh, by the sides of uh, Neolithic kings and queens. So, exactly. Whilst you know, I appreciate your viewpoint on the uh, the hula hoop origins um i i think that he's got a, he's got a valid point to say that maybe this is where it came from maybe maybe mm. but you know i appreciate his standpoint but you know he's no expert actually he is he know. is absolutely but not of the hula hoop no uh number 15 is susie and the banshees with through the looking glass mm. um, another collection of covers yeah some odd choices there is count it big enough for the both of us i sparks trust in me from the film the jungle book seems weird to to do a cover of that seems <laughs> let's move on <laughs> that's two of the let's, less weird tracks on it i know let's look shiftily from side to side and move on quickly yeah, let's just go. Um, okay yeah, yeah good idea um, right move on 15th of march straight in at number one was the joshua tree yeah well, we've discussed that we? yeah we'll discuss yeah. that keeping out uh, keeping out simply red at number two um god. An, ap- an apt place for them to sit uh with the uh, <laughs> men and men and women album <laughs> <laughs> it's weird what, what's that? He's, he's melted 
Yeah, age has not been kind to um, to our friend Mr. Hucknall. No, considering he was such no. a he's such a you know a woman magnet. He started yeah. out in a punk band called the Frantic Elevators. Did, did Mr. Hucknall, and then um, later down in Simply Red, he's famous for the quote quote unquote describing Simply Red as quote unquote basically a solo project. That kind of egomania really pissed off his <laughs> his fellow bandmates. Turns out, well, funny that would we'll do that, wouldn't it? Anyway, it's now gone from being Simply Red, this you know woman attractive crazy thing, to just Simply Bread as a place where you can buy sandwiches and. Yeah. Insert then some bread-based song puns. I've got some there to start you off. Another one bites the crust. Girls just want to have bun. <laughs> Bake on me. None of these have anything to do with Simply Red. No, but they're Simply Red. I Simply Red songs. Okay. Simply Bread. Oh, come on. Simply Bread, look. Okay. It's a poppadom type of bread. <laughs> no. Oh, you can't have poppadom preach then. No, we can't have that. You've got to be, got to be bread-based. Honestly, uh. if, don't... Don't let just let let it sink in, uh, and then as you're well, think, talking about the things, okay. they'll, they'll start. I know, I, I know what'll happen. Your brain will start right, to feed I, them to your to your mouth. I won't let the bun go down on me. <laughs> exactly, I told you. They'll start. <laughs> I just I sat and those three just came to me immediately. So and I was like, I had to stop thinking I could be here about a week. Bapper, don't preach. <laughs> See, bap, don't preach. It's, it's, honestly, it's just they'll keep they'll keep on coming. So that is that is la bonita, <laughs> bonita. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> See, that's it. I knew that's, that's how it works. The best way is to <laughs> lay, plant the seeds and then the loaf will bake. <laughs> Carb on me. <laughs> if you're not baked. <laughs> Told you. <laughs> and I'll be. <laughs> and I need more proving. Um, yeah, prove is in the heart. Yeah. <laughs> prove is in the heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, quickly move on. Could we. The machine, the machine, once it started, it cannot be stopped. <laughs> once you start baking, you have to wait for it to rise. Exactly. The challenge for our listeners, of course, is to feel free to Twitter, chip in, chip yeah. in. And our Patreons, feel free to just pop a few of your own, pop a dom, pop a few of your own <laughs> uh, bread, simply bread-based <laughs> album song titles. You might find that you might find they'll come to you like they do for us. Quickly move on, Aid. Quick, Paul yeah, Hollywood's probably twitching um, somewhere. <laughs> Icicle works in at number twenty-eight with "If you want to defeat your enemy, sing his song." Good title for a track. I like the track title of that. It's weird. That's why I included it. The article works is from a sci-fi story. Yes, it is. Yeah, I don't know much about them as a band, though. No, I don't either. Twenty uh, second of March is running in the family, uh, yes. bunning in the family by Level Forty Two. Yes, uh, the, the the return of the Glonk. Indeed. <laughs> yes, we received a, a text message from Mark King. Um, we had to translate that message from his native slap-based language, of course. And we'll post the original text message that we sent, but it's kind of on the zip, but it translates to ZTTP. Please stop implying my thumbs are too powerful. They are just quite strong. Though this is the ninth mobile phone I've smashed for this message alone. Also, my favourite meal is chips. I don't even ask him. Cheeky bugger. Oh, I didn't either. The last statement, by the way, if you notice in the original slap-based language version, the last sentence is, ang, defang me ting tang chim. Which actually, it sound like, oh, my, my favourite meal is chips, so... I'm guessing that's a more literal translation of the slap bass It language. is, yeah. You know, good job we had the translator. Google Translate is amazing. The fact that he can even translate slap bass into English. <laughs> <laughs> you just feed it in and Google knows. That's, that's now he's become his first language. It's just 
terrible for his family. <laughs> communic- yeah, getting him and uh, Roland Gift at the uh, drive-thru oh, for McDonald's is just a nightmare. Can you get your uh, passenger to uh, order, please? Terry! Terry, can you understand what they're saying? <laughs> it's Gift and King. It's Gift and King again. Oh, they'll have the same days they always have. <laughs> Two vanilla milkshakes and a packet of crisps. <laughs> and, seven, and, and give him 17 straws because he breaks it with his massive thumb. <laughs> I don't anger him, for God's sake. <laughs> Absolutely. Last time he put his thumb through the chip and pin machine. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how Robin Giff laughs when he's out there. <laughs> like, like honk laugh. But like, um, what's his name? That comedian, Jimmy Carr. Oh, dear. Roland Gift. He's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, 29th of March, finally. Straight at number one. Now that's what I call Music 9. Yeah. And at number 49, nobody releases an album when now music comes out. At number 49 is Signs of Life by the Penguin Cafe Orchestra. Yeah. Quirky, weird, little offshooty thing. Famous yeah, for a couple of tracks. You'll, you'll, yeah. Even if you don't know what, Perpetum, Perpetum. The only one I know, that, didn't they do? Du, 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 yeah, that's, 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 that's the other one they're famous for, though. That's the only one I know. The, it's the telephone one, isn't it? One but well. the, yeah, you would do because it's on all of the HP adverts. Oh, yeah. Yes, I do know that one. Herb Alpert, just for you there at number 96 with Keep Your Eye on Me. Because if you don't, he'll steal stuff. True. It's got the tracks Diamonds and Making Love in the Rain, both which feature Janet Jackson. Interestingly enough, with Matt King speaking slap bass, Herb Albert speaks only in native trumpet. So if he's a passenger in the back, it's like, well, look, we can't understand you, Mark. I don't know what Roland's saying there. It was that in the back. Just move on. Go somewhere else. Go to Starbucks. We'll just give you some food. Yeah, here. Here's a bag full of stuff, free stuff. Now piss off. <laughs> leave leave us be. <laughs> Sorry, you, you need to use the chip and pin. No! <laughs> no. <laughs> you Tijuana twats, get lost. <laughs> And finally, to round off this musical cornucopia of delights, we have the Vienna Symphonic Orchestra with Symphonic Rock. Goodness um, me. Did you, now, did, you will, did you check it out? I haven't. What I, um, <laughs> I need a shower. I went through a period in the late 80s where I was, I, there was there was a lot of this symphonic rock going about and I was listening to, I listened to loads of it. I, I used know. to love it. I know. We used to write <laughs> uh, sympathy cards all the time <laughs> for your musical I just, taste. I just couldn't help myself. It's just stupid songs played by orchestras and I was like, ah, oh, I love this. I know. But, you know. Rondo Aficionado, whatever it was, buddy. Yeah, Rondo like Veneziano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Extolling their virtues, and I remember writing a, a condolence card for your <laughs> musical taste there and then. We're so sorry for the it's a tragic loss. Uh, it was brilliant. Now, now, in all fairness, some of them are interesting. Not this one, though. When you listen to, go to the YouTube and click on that, oh, we'll the, the horror of that musical abomination will actually make you want to go to the toilet and then you'll need a shower. <laughs> it's dirty, horrible music. <laughs> is is it tracker music? <laughs> oh, it's it, no, it's bad. It's bad. It's it's you know, it, it makes Jeff Love and his orchestra like like geniuses. <laughs> well, anyway, at number ninety seven, so I'm not sure it got much higher. It's too high. Anyway, anyway, that's it. <laughs> that's they wrote for the music for March nineteen eighty seven. What's that, Roland? <laughs> I need to get to the zoo. I will. 
Go on then. Go. Oh, wait, no, wait. <laughs> Don't you join in. <laughs> I need to go because Mark keeps making deep bass noises. <laughs> anyway, we are, we are. We have ended this. We have to end. We have to stop this music section. It must end now. Um, and there we go. So please, <laughs> if you're still with us. <laughs> I'm sure you will be. I, I understand if you're not. Um, <laughs> but if you're still with us, we'll be back very shortly where we've got where we got four more games left to go through to, for, to round off this episode. So stick around. We'll be back in a bit. Ha. Doffing of our caps to our show sponsor, DavidHearnWriter.com. Let's have ourselves another audio sample from his super cool audiobook, Starfarers and Tharnians in Space, narrated by Mr. Cool himself, Tim Valencia. You galactic pirates? I prefer the term self-philanthropists. A white, bulky, tubular droid on wheels with eyes like cherries and enough lights to double as a Christmas tree whizzed by with the rattle and crashed into a wall. Wright said, You'll have to excuse 128. He needs a service, ironically due to lack of use. Seized up, I'm afraid. 128 bounced off a wall, recovered, then accelerated into Deacon's behind. Bo laughed out loud. You've got goat droids! Deacon fired a dirty look at the droid. More like a white elephant, I'm afraid. Wow, that is great stuff indeed. Visit DavidHearnWriter.com to find out more. Yep, we're back. Uh, We've got four games to get through in this section for your first load of games for March 87. So let's get into them. First up is a budget title. What do I say about this? This is a game called uh, Pneumatic Hammers, which sounds weird. It's a weird, weird title for a game. It's a weird game. It's a strange game. So here we are in budget land. And for some reason, you've been sent to rebuild a handle from Handley lying around bits of as the old one has fallen off a big machine. And if you don't, then bad things will happen. Something the canyon will collapse that this machine is in, and the pile driver will be buried. No one wants that. What? Well, a, a, I'm not sure what this means. It sounds bad, and it must be fixed. And you are the person to fix it. You are the man for the job. The person for the job. So this weird set of options starts off the game starts you land on top of the machine in a helicopter uh, and you have to select from some options that vary the difficulty of the game now this suffers from that annoying thing that some games do which i never understand the reason for which is switching between the options on the fly and you just have to oh, hopefully press the button at the right bloody time annoying wasn't it that <laughs> stop doing it we had this in another game as well at least this one was clear which one was selected because there was always three mm-hmm. options there was that other one where it was just red and yellow <laughs> like which was which was the one selected i think it was the beginning of that samurai game it was, it? shogun yeah, yeah shogun this is the same thing you can i don't know the, the time in between the the things going up and down there's the number oh, there's, there's just stuff it all seems to do things i don't know so the whole point of this game is that once you disembark on top of this uh on top of the top of this uh machine big machine uh there are various floors to go down and you get you go down these by climbing into a lift the lifts just go down and go up that's what they do and when you can climb off the lift at any point and any floor at the right of each floor is a doorway when you walk through a doorway it just instantly switches to the machine that is in that room um and 
uh, basically what you're presented with is a graphic representation of a screen and usually a giant hand and some things to try and poke or prod at or lift or press. And I didn't know what for. I didn't know what did what. I had no clue. There was things to press and prod and poke and, and stuff. And really, that was as far as I've got. It took me ages that you had to move the hand all the way back over to the left of the screen to get out of it because I was stuck in there for ages. I thought the game had crashed. I could, some, some screens I couldn't do anything on. Um, and according to the review in, in Zap, it said you've got to be real pixel perfect on where you click. So I found that maybe that was the problem. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing because you've got to pick up all the... Essentially, what you've got to do is find this gold, get it into the smelter, make it into a handle and stick it on. And that's it. I, 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 I don't know. I couldn't figure anything out. I didn't know what the machines did. I pick, at one point, I picked something up out of one of them and wandered off to another room, but I don't know what I'd picked up or why. Um, I don't know what the dials or buttons did. Some went up, some went down, some made a noise. The, the visuals, they're okay, I guess. The person wandering around is all right. The lifts and stuff, is, they, they look what, what they're supposed to, I guess. The the dials and things are all right. The sounds are really industrial-like, so there's lots of there's lots of industrial-type noises that you get, lots of banging, clanking, and whirring, but in that you know, 64, 8-bit style. And then and there might be an interesting game here in that it's doing again it's doing something different i've certainly not played anything like this not really but i didn't just had no impetus to find out what everything does because i got I, there was no help just a bit of help a bit of help just to sort of say what does what maybe um, um and i just got quite frustrated after a while and turned it off i didn't understand what i was supposed to do where i was supposed to get stuff there was a bit at the bottom where i could pick up a box and move it left to right and put it down and i don't know did you get anything from this? Did you manage to make head and tail of this or any kind of sense from the whole thing? A little. So you've got to navigate, as you say, to find the gold. On the left and the right hand side, the gold uh, rocks tumble down. And the amount of gold that's in that side of the cavern is represented by a tiny little number in the left and right hand corner. So you get like ah. a three and a four. So then what you've got to do is you've got to go and get your metal detector, go all the way to the bottom, jump carefully across the platforms which are being where the pneumatic hammers are smashing things down to get to I the... I went to the bottom I couldn't find any platforming bit. Yeah see when, when you go right the way to the bottom and to go right you go out and you know where the when you see on the map at the bottom of the screen you can see where the little... Yeah yeah. Yeah you have to jump across the, the you get to the stage where those hammers are you've got to jump across oh, the weird. platforms however you've got to be absolutely graphically perfect and timing perfect to do that otherwise you fall in the water you go back to the start and you've got to keep doing it remember you're on a time scale because gradually the the, it, the cliffs keep collapsing and you, you don't necessarily get the gold and that's not even the worst of it if you do find the gold and you do get some you've then got to go and get the right purity of gold so you have to go and weigh it on this like weird weighing scale in order to yeah. then go and smelt it but you've actually got no way of understanding what is good and bad it's so vague the controls and so sorry so vague the what you've got to do that it's i mean i only really found that out by more trial and error and a little bit of looking on some of the instructions that I could find online where people had sort of said, oh, you've got to do this, so piecing bits together. I didn't persevere with it because I found the controls so overly fiddly and not very responsive. Yeah. And it's just, it's too many moments where it's not clear what you need to do. I mean, when it first starts, if you didn't, after you'd selected your options, if you didn't know that you needed to walk behind that thing and go into the rooms, you could be just wandering around left and right on that platform for ages trying to get in and out of the helicopter, not really understanding what's next. So it's one ninety nine. They only got fifty eight percent. I can see why. I think it's just of too vague a game. A really weird idea that, with a little bit more guidance, might have been quite interesting. But I don't also understand, even if I did know what I was doing, what the payoff is really. So it just felt a bit weird. Yeah. And like you say, that silly rotational rotating three options thing instead of just using a joystick that goes up and down on a fire button seems ridiculous. So yep, no, Indeed. no. I've just found it a boring, frustrating game at the end result. So 
Not for me, that. No, not for me either. Graphics are okay, I suppose, but other than that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the, the visual, it looks quite nice. It's quite I mean, it's quite unusual and stuff, but it just needed yeah. a bit more player, you know, understanding, like, tell the player what this does. Yeah, just, you know, an idea of what, what the end goal is and how to get there is always a useful thing when these games, because trying to find, on a game that's so ob- obtuse like that, trying to find your way through is next to next to impossible if you didn't know you needed to find a metal detector you'd spend forever in that game wandering around doing nothing which is what i did yeah terrible. <laughs> soon turned it off there right. we go pneumatic hammers weird just weird let's move on maybe probably better maybe than the next one graham did you did you want to tell us all about raid 2000 which sounds like a bug spray yeah it does actually sound like a bug if i have to yeah i'll tell you about it <laughs> Please do. <laughs> the Zandithian have invaded the Earth and are slowly spreading over the countries and cities and taking control. You've been tasked to destroy the invaders in four raider crafts from a base in the South Pacific. So you've got to look at the map of the world with the purple areas under alien control and the green areas still under human control. Move a radar craft over an invaded part and it'll tell you if there's an alien reactor plant and it's still active. When you selected that, the game goes into a top-down kind of shooter, a la Parallax and Z and Mutants, that kind of view, which scrolls in all the different directions. When you move your ship, the speed of your ship is controlled by the joystick in a kind of fiddly way. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I found myself zooming fast and slow and rotating and not really controlling this. I have to say, I didn't get to grips with the controls properly. So you got the idea is you've got to find the reactor and destroy it uh, before destroying all the ships that are in the area with the laser. If you touch a ship or hit an obstacle, you lose part of your health. And if it reaches zero, you lose a ship. If you want to leave the screen before it's all destroyed, you can fly over a flashing square and press the button and that will take you back to the map. That's the plan. Um, mm-hmm. As you play all the areas, the purple areas expand as the aliens take over more of the world. So um, if they're spreading too fast, each one of your raider craft, handily enough, carries a thermonuclear device and that can place the invaded area and the yellow turns yellow and wipes out all the aliens and the reactors. But the affected area can't be inhabited by humans if you do that. So there's a little bit of a strategic element, which is, I, I like some of the ideas in this game, I have to say, some of it. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Once all the aliens have been sent back, to, they regroup and attack again, but you receive a full complement of raider craft, and so it sort of goes in that kind of loop. And if you lose all four of your raider craft, well, the game's over, the world gets taken over by aliens, and you lose, you lose bad. So I found it was a, a clearly Z-ish sort of, and I'm, 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 it's unfair to say that it's like Z, it's just a top, that kind of 360 top-down shootery inspired thing and i found the most difficult thing about this because i like some of the ideas in here and i like the idea of this sort of risk-based takeover territories and you know i like that idea and i really like the idea of having you know if you nuke this area that's going to kill everything but you can't you know that kills it for you as well there's some little nice ideas in there but what you end up with is, is unfortunately because the controls are a little bit i think not quite well realized enough and it controlled kind of badly did for me anyway I found and they found that the background and the sort of crappy spaceship graphics. Some of the graphics are a bit clashy and they're a bit not they're a bit uneasy on the eye. So there's an, an inspiring. This is, sorry, there's some good ideas in this, but an otherwise graphically uninspiring world. I suppose it's passable is the best I can say. But there's better games like this, and I think if you're going to play this kind of thing, you're probably better off going and spending the equivalent money on something like Parallax or something like that, where you're going to get a little. You know, it's the, the similar kind of logic as in you're in a top-down world, flying about, getting out walking around doing stuff and there's perhaps a little bit more different kind of logic but it's better this i think great ideas just not all the implementations 100 behind it so i felt like it just kind of it just wasn't there and 56 percent review is about where i would have put it as well so what about you yeah ironically once again we're in complete agreement it's another 360 another 360 scrolling schmup that sees you defending the earth from invading aliens there's a nice attempt at strategy here with the world map split into 32 chunks allowing you to decide where to go to fight off the alien horde and i like that like you said that that 
stuff around the edges. There's some nice touches. You once you do though, and you get into it, it's it's a mashup of Parallax Z Time Pilot with a splash of Iridium thrown in as well. With the way that the mines kind of come out yeah, there. That's the one I was trying yeah. to think of. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean Time Pilot is the original of these, I think. Yeah. Um, the, the original sort of three sixty yeah, yeah, degree yeah. scroller, but and so but there's also a bit of Parallax in this. There's also a bit of Iridium in the way that the enemies come out of the. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the sort of the mines. They remind the mines the way they came out reminded me of Iridium, but it's not really as good as any of them. In, in that respect and that's a bit of a shame the control of the ship is weird like you've noted with it speeding up and slowing down in, a, in an unpleasant manner I didn't mm. I didn't like it and it leads to huge turning circles yes which is a pain in the ass because it makes it really hard to aim at anything with any kind of accuracy you can't you end up off, ang- off angle you kind of have to keep you, it's just no I didn't like it the aliens t- also took just a bit too many bullets to shoot yeah so you, you because it was hard to shoot them it, they took too many and so, you know, should just be one bullet. Just one bullet takes them down. Just get on with it. There's enough of them to shoot. Don't, don't make me do two or three hits on them. And so there's nothing really satisfying about it, which is a bit of a shame. Because like yourself, the like like you said, I like the overarching map and the stuff and that kind of nuclear bomb threat and your choice and your options like that. It's quite nice window dressing, but just the underlying game is one we've played better versions of before. Yeah, I have to agree. And so um, it's a bit of a shame. But Tenor is bit pricey for this i think yeah um, budget price i'd have been a bit more forgiving i think i think so yeah there's a good there's a good core idea here but if you it's like we said about that other one star soldier if you're gonna do something that's been done better and you're just gonna muddy the waters or do something else around it that's fair enough but you, your core game has still got to be good and it's still got to stand up to those other games which are doing it better than you're doing it absolutely i mean z when did z come out or Z? whatever it came out quite a while ago now that's 1985 isn't it yeah, I'm pretty it sure is. it's yeah, 1985, yeah, yeah. and Time Pilot is well old by this point because I think mm. it's Space Pilot and stuff by now yeah, yeah, yeah. in the arcade. I Absolutely. think it's Space Pilot. So these are this and, par- and and don't forget after that we've had Parallax and things like that. So we've had loads of these kind of things, which are, and just you've got to it's like we said the other week. I mean, this is not as bad, but what's that Psychastria? If you're gonna do these things and you're gonna come after the good stuff, you've got to be better. Yeah. Otherwise, what's the point? Or offer you know? something new. Yeah. Yeah, and the new stuff here is fine. But then you still your under your over your, your underlying game to play is not as good. So raid two thousand, mm, yeah. interesting, but a bit of a bit of a bit of a limp, bit of a limp down. attempt at this thing. Yeah, a bit of a letdown. Could have been better. All right, two left. Let's rattle on through. Well, maybe we'll rattle on through the next one. I don't know. Um, let's move on because we've got another another episode. Another helicopter flight sim appears. Mm. Um, and this time we have Tomahawk. We do. So, so this uh, this is another helicopter flight sim, and it's full on vector graphics. Yeah, black just... vector graphics, not just white, black. Um, so this time you get to pilot the AH sixty four A Apache Advanced Attack Helicopter. Sounds cool, doesn't it? Very. Sounds really cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, and once you boot this game up, that title screen is not cool. No, it's not. <laughs> it's a bit. It's it's not the most enticing of uh, title screens I've seen. No, it is not. Uh, it's a bit on the uh, text dull, dull text side. Mm. It could have been a could have been some meta. Anyway, there's lots of options. You can go there's four four different missions. You can go from training to a full on invasion to fight off. You could did you did you go through most of these? You can choose whether it's day or night. You can do whether it's clear oh, or cloudy. Yeah, it's- ridiculous volume of options in this <laughs> the, the, the height of the cloud base from 50 feet to a thousand feet i think it was you can turn on crosswinds and you can also alter the difficulty level from trainee pilot to an ace okay once you've done all that once you've picked your mission and you crosswinds and all that crap it's into the world of blue green and black vector graphics mm. 
Exciting. It's one of them. Yep. As you try and fly your slow-moving attack helicopter around the world and shoot stuff. <sighs> it's a bit slow, this. Yes. There's not really much for attention to pace. And God, those controls. <laughs> Complicated. They've gone... So the attention to detail is quite good. The hood's okay. And they've really, really gone out for the controls. There's a lot of keys to press and a lot of things to be looking at and things to fall or turning and and uh, stuff you've got to wait for this to be at this point to take off from that point and don't push too far and get your spit and all it oh it's just it's fine i get it you want to make this kind of sim but i think they made this point in the magazine and it's true um the, the machine's just not capable of doing these games justice no uh you're pushing too much and so you just lose any sense of actually flying as this cool advanced attack helicopter because you're not you just you're just not and and go play ace which I know is a plane, but hey-ho, it's better. It's more fun than this. I found it quite funny. That, did you play it at night? Uh, no. No, I don't believe it. Well, did. if you play it at night, it's just black. <laughs> and then what I did was I set the cloud cover to the lowest setting. And as soon as I took off... So because what you get is you get the uh, the classic Dan Buster style view. Instead of black, red, yellow dots, it's red dots. Right. So everything is shown by red dots just all over. But it's just completely black. So no blue and green, it's just black. I set the cloud cover to the lowest. As soon as I took off, as soon as I got any hype, just, just everything disappeared. <laughs> And I was like, well, what am I supposed to do now? Because I can't see anything. It's just a black screen. Fly I'm not quite wire. sure what... Yeah, and then every now and again, I, I thought I must have been getting attacked because these crappy explosions started going off around me. It's utterly pointless. Really, like, well, this serves no purpose. There's no fun in this. And I just found it a bit... It's just another one, isn't it? Yeah. Sure, there are people who like playing these kind of things and love the thrill of piling and piloting an 8-bit helicopter. But that those people... I am not one of them. No. And I'm just not. And we've got next month in April, obviously, we'll see what how Gunship yep. um, stands up. I don't know. I was never a massive Gunship fan because I only had no. tape and there'll be a discussion around the tape version and the disc version around that, um, obviously. But Tomahawk as it stands, it's just if you want your uh, 8-bit vector helicopter kicks, then I suppose it's all right. But you'd probably go play Super Huey, I guess, or Super Huey 2. Yeah. Uh, which are probably better. I don't know. Did you, I mean, you didn't play Super U2, did you? But how no. did you find this? Did you enjoy your... Did you find this... No. Well... Axie type thing, okay? I mean, I'll, I'll start off by saying that I knew this wasn't going to be my thing. I knew it. I don't like vector games. I'm not a big fan of simulators. And this one is a really heavy, like proper heavy controlled flight simulator. So you've got to really... Just looking at the controls inside of the instructions that come with the game it's very complicated there's lots of keyboard commands to type in you've got to get your this meter to that before you can engage this and do all of that and as i read through that and engaged in some of this and managed to take off and hover and just do a couple of little things there was no thrill in it for me of doing that but i thought to myself there are people out there that would really like that i'm sure and this kind of thing must appeal to them. So they sit there and they need, you know, they like the fact that they're typing in these two letter commands and they, you know, they hear the engine start. And and those, mm -hmm. all of those things that make this simulator, you know, fodder for that kind of mindset. I think the only thing that they must be really patient people who like that. And then when the game starts, these vector monstrosity sort of unfolds itself upon their eyes. Because... Um, I know that later down the line, Gunship comes along, and I don't remember Gunship being, you know, turbo speed or anything like that. I just think that these games are, are clearly better on other machines. I think that the machines that lend themselves, BBC Micros and your yeah, Spectrums, and I think these vector games just lend themselves, even though those machines aren't super powerful, they've just seem to do this vector stuff better. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's, sometimes I wonder if there's, if there's an audience for these things, I think is what I'm trying to say, and I'm not that audience. I get that no, there's some said, yeah. some technical dexterity on display in terms of how well they've created a 
version of a helicopter inside a Commodore 64, which I can only imagine is very difficult. But if the end result of that is just a few, you know, monochromatic lines going up or down, and that has no thrill for me. It doesn't. I don't suddenly feel like I'm in a you know, military-based, you know, theatre of conflict, firing rockets at things and getting into that. For me, it just feels like I'm looking at some lines that are periodically juddering around, and I, and I can't ever seem to get past that with these vector games because that's really all there is to it. So no, not for me. Um, it got a re- three quarters of the way to good, didn't it? Seventy-four percent. I can get, yeah. I get, I get why it got that. But for me, another dull flight simulator with complicated controls that I would never tune into. So it, it, I'm tuned out before I tune in. And I did try it, and I did take off, and I did, you know, do a couple of things. But I didn't feel like I was flying a helicopter for goodness' sake. So uh, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just is what it is, isn't it? We're not, we're never going to be enamoured of these things. The machines are just not. I mean, so if we come down to the Commodore 64, it's a, it's a hardware sprite. They gave you hardware sprites. Yeah. <laughs> Make games yeah. with sprites. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's based around a certain type of, uh, of arcade mindset. And there's a reason why you didn't see a lot of helicopter simulators in arcades. So they tend to you know, sprite based shoot 'em up type games are very popular for a reason. And as we've seen, you know, they're not always great on the 64, but it certainly does those. Even the bad ones are better than some of these really dull vector-based games we seem to be having a, a bit of a rebirth of at the moment, I have to say. so. I know, an annoying rebirth of. Just a bit. Just a bit. All right, anyway, there you go, it's Tomahawk. We were never going to like it. No. Nope. So, <laughs> sorry, we're <just> not. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of them things, you know it's by now, we're not. No. Nope. So let's move on to our last game uh, of this week, um, and then that's that. So, Graham... You've got the honour of talking to us. This is an old game, is it? This is a, it is. a re-release. It's a Falcon Patrol 2. It from is. From helicopters to planes. From helicopters to planes to Harrier jump jets, in fact. This is uh, a budget release of the 1984 game from Steve Lee. So in this game, you're in the version of the Middle East, for one of a better description, in a Harrier jump jet, and you've got to fight off lots of helicopters. There's three different enemy helicopter types, gunships, solos, and transporters. The gunships and solos will track you and shoot at you, the transporters, and I have to say there's some really nice little touches to this, the transporters will drop ground-to-air missile and radar jammers on the ground, and you've got a little radar, and if they're there, it blocks it. And so you've got to try and deal with them, but also you, so you've got to deal with the things shooting out. You can fire missiles either straight ahead or angles down to the ground, sort of, so air-to-air, it's ground, uh, akin to a like scramble-ish sort of mentality. And you've got a number of missiles, so they're not, not unlimited, you've got a number of missiles, and you've got um, a certain amount of fuel. And you've got to replenish those by these various platforms that are dotted around the landscape. But you can blow those platforms up if you're not careful. So you've got to be a bit careful about how you shoot. You can't just go on a, some shoot crazy and shoot everything because you're going to end up damaging the very things that you need to replenish the stocks of your missiles and stocks of your fuel. So as much as this is a, obviously it's a 1984 game and it shows a bit in the visual. So it's it's a defender slash choplifter slash side-scrolling shoot-em-up type logic. And there's some nice details in this now. Aligning the fact that it's got... So it's got 1984 visuals. Okay, they are what they are. This isn't some fancy... They haven't tried to do lots of fancy, complicated base relief or anything that makes it look anything other than just little sprites flying about. And I like that because I like it for that. So it, it's got a nice simp- 1984 style and look. Now, there's it's still little nice touches to the animations on some of the helicopters and your little jump jets. It looks like a little jump jet and the ground is still the ground and the basics are all still there. And there's some nice details in this. It's got a catchy little tune, which it, and the game plays fine. 
I think it's it just it does look dated. I think that's the only thing I would say that's to its detriment is it just looks a bit old, old, bit tired and old now. But at its heart, there's a really good shooter in here. There's some really nice touches. I like the fact that you get these radar jammers that then you get different types of helicopter. So it doesn't just become a arbitrary, meaningless shoot everything. There's some thought behind the enemy types in this and the way they fly in and follow you around and stuff like that. It's it's visually outclassed and outgunned in as and it will rapidly become so. But we haven't had a lot of really good side scrollers. Now we've had plenty of these top-down sort of shoot 'em up type ones, you know, the shmups from bottom to top. Now the light forces and Zeviuses and some of the lesser ones. So these side-scrolling ones, you know, we've had Sanxian and a couple of others that sort of lend themselves to that territory with his Morticum, I know. But I, I actually really quite like this. This is the second time an older game, realistic budget, has really surprised me because Park Patrol did it last time. And this has done the same thing. I didn't think I would like it, and I didn't think going into it, I thought I was, my initial thought was like, oh, this is going to be naff. But I actually really enjoyed playing it. I think because it's simple. I think there's something about it that's just, once you know the premise you don't they haven't dressed this up in a ridiculous amount of story and all of those things it harks back to a simpler time when they didn't you didn't get an 80 page novella try and market and bullshit the way through something that's naff this is just what it is and at a budget price this is actually a pretty good game a nice inventive in some ways shoot them up that i think in some ways leaves some of the shoot ups we had recently the more modern ones a, a little bit in the dust because it's got some nice little details on it and at budget price it's all right not greatest game in the world by far you know it's not going to blow your socks off Got 63% in Zap. It's about right. But for two ninety nine, this is a perfect Sunday afternoon game, without a doubt. What about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pilot, Harrier Jump Jet, and it's a Defender clone when we come down to it. I'll come I'll come back to something in a moment, sort of thing, but we'll just talk about the game itself. Yeah, for three quid, it's okay. Even if it's a couple of years old, I think it's it's quite nice. It plays okay. it plays yeah, very yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it really would, yeah. I put it past some time on a Sunday afternoon by our own criteria. My, my main beef would have been, most of that time, would have been watching the plane, bloody plane refuel, though. Oh, it just take a while. <laughs> um, and not just refueling during game, but why you had to refuel every time every you restarted. Time. Yeah, there is that. Um, which annoyed me. And from a, a detail point of view, that it got to 100 before um, your actual bar filled up. That yeah. annoyed me. That like, eh, I know I'm being pedicty, but hey-ho. I don't know why they needed to feel, felt the need to start you with no fuel and make you sit through a boring refueling They did that a lot of that back in those 19 early arcade games. A lot of those, they had a little start bit, didn't they? Yeah, it reminded me of that other one, that stupid one where you're on the bike jumping and every time you died, they had to rebuild the bike or something. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you think about it, a lot of those early arcades have that little, even Green Beret has that did, you know, that did, 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 But don't do it every time you die. No, no, but, you know, you get still get that did, 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 yeah, you, get, I don't mind. you know, you still yeah. get that kind of. There's a few of them. Yeah, that did I don't, it. I don't mind that, but this was just too long. Yeah, yeah, just um, a bit for, too long. for my for my liking. I was not a particular fan of the setting. Uh, the place looked already blown up to all hell, and I'm I'm just I don't not sure I'm really on board with just bombing Middle Eastern countries. Well, it's a in, version in, of in, the in, Middle East. I don't know. I don't know if it ever says it's explicitly it's clear, there. It's but. clearly it's clearly a Middle Eastern country. You know, it's sand and and what have you. Somewhere and, where and there's that, war in the middle uh, of it, deserty war. Uh, yeah. And I'm thinking I've, that place already looks blown up to hell. Why am I raining hellfire down on me even more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I just. Uh, I guess it's just a product of its time, isn't it? And I'll oh, see, very you know, it's much what we so. said. It's what we said about LA SWAT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just one of those things. It's okay yeah. to bomb the Middle East. Yeah, right, yeah. Whatever. Okay. It's it's passable. I would still go play Drop Zone. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. If I'm going Absolutely. to play this kind of game, it feels more in line with Drop Zone. I'm not sure about Sanction because Sanction is just a left to right. There's a this is a Drop Zone Defender. Uh, I just, I just meant more in, in its side scrolling nature. We don't see yeah. it. We haven't seen a lot of them. 
No, I mean, there's that other one, Rascal. Yeah, so I say there's not many. Maybe that's that's two or three. Uh, well, we'll get another one at the start of next episode. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, but yeah, for, for three quid, and I think this 63% is bang on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just, it's just another one of those where you're just looking at it through modern eyes, as we, as we have done with many games, but it's a bit, ooh, okay. Um, from, from a gameplay perspective, it's fine. And there are, like you said, some nice elements to it the radar track jammers and, and things like that and the things and the fact you can blow your own refueling pods refueling landings things up if you're not careful that's all very good and it plays quite well and it's smooth and the scrolling's good and you know the sprites are nice and easily readable yeah i think choplifter was another good call it does look a bit like you know choplifter which we reviewed all oh, that was the very 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 first game we spoke about wasn't it choplifter it was back work back over a year ago and so this you know harks back to that kind of thing so yeah if, if i think if you'd have picked this up for three quid you'd have been happy to blast away on this for a sunday afternoon but yeah it, it's it's a decent budget title i've got nothing more to say about it. it's not i don't think it's in the same ballpark as park patrol which thinks it's a, it's a much better game yeah it is but i think it's just in that kind of you know re-release of a budget game that surprised me how good it how good it was i thought yeah. it, i thought it was going to be absolutely awful and it was better than i thought yeah, and I think I think you you bang on with that. I think that's all right. I just you know it's uh, it's another one where you look at it now and you you just yeah, okay. it shows its yeah. age now badly, but yeah, it shows its age and it's uh, it's sort of where it's coming from from a political yeah, point of view. Yeah, it's again it's it's in that cauldron and it needs to stay there really. Yes, exactly. But there you go. Yeah, it's all right. I, I think for for what it is, what it was then. Yeah, you'd have you'd have been happily shooting stuff away yeah. on a Sunday afternoon. Right. There you go. I think that's it, isn't it? It is. That is it. There you go. So we've had a boatload of games and lots of music. What have we done? So we've looked at Mutants, which we liked, if it, even if it was a bit frustrating in places. Star Soldier, which we found weird with Monetary Commando. Bubbly Future Night, the incredibly slow double. We we plumbed the coal on with Tracker. <laughs> um, we got weirded out by pneumatic, pneumatic hammers. We liked some of the ideas in Ray 2000. Tomahawk is slow vectors, and Falcon Patrol is questionable military shooting, but it's all right, I guess, for three quid. So there you go. That's it. Uh, that's it for this episode. Um, we've not any crap words. We'll be carrying on with uh, March. There are another load of games from March next week. What do we need to say before we leave you? If you haven't already and you would like to support us, you can do that by signing up to our Patreon if you want. We're getting a, a small but growing community. We have. Uh, which, which is, you know, we're having a bit of a laugh on Discord and there'll be you know stuff going on and there's, there's extra stuff on there. There's, uh, at the moment, recording this, there's a couple of extra interviews, one with John Hare and one with Chris Abbott, which you can listen to. There's stuff like that. So we're doing things where you can come over and have a chat and also help us keep the lights on and support the podcast just for the price of a pint if you're not in london as we like to say so just head on over to patreon.com forward slash zap to the past and you'll find us and help us out if you wish to obviously you're under no obligation to uh so there's that uh you also get access to these podcasts earlier you do because um, we are releasing them earlier through the patreon so if you wish to listen to us earlier than on the monday then come come and sign up you know you know if you want if you want to listen to us over the weekend do so bit of exclusivity never hurt anybody absolutely it really didn't uh what we got coming up next week next week we've got about another what was it nine games i think so what we're looking at next week we've got erebus ollie and lissa terror the deep peter shilton's handball maradona hey. <laughs> jesus uh agent orange we've got nosferatu the vampire dandy skate rock labyrinth return of the bowie bulge yeah. um and terry 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 cognita you know him you know terry cognita <laughs> terry cognita <laughs> 
Terry Cognita, Terry and Cognita. Uh, no, Terra, Terra Cognita. That's coming up next week. So that's the middle section for March 1987. So lots to look forward to there. I think that's about it. Are we done? Is that it? We Anything are done. Else? No, that's it. We are done. So as ever, I have been Adrian Mills. And I have been Graham Ruddings. And you have been listening to Zapped to the Past. And we will see you again next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at zaptother, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap 64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.